The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue in my, my words. Well, how about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? And welcome to another exciting episode of the Clip Nation's Comic Book Chronicles. Woo! I'm your host, Dio Double G. And the two gentlemen behind the sound effects are at Roddy Cat on Twitter. What's up, everybody? <laughs> and we also have at PCN underscore dirt on Twitter. Crickets. Crickets. Woo! Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know got to build up to it. Hmm. Not with us tonight, but uh, he's got other things going on is at agent underscore 70 on Twitter, who usually handles the sound effects. So he is greatly missed tonight. Indeed. But hopefully he'll be back with us next week. Remember next week to have my um, tablet, regardless. My other tablet, rather. Maybe you need. Maybe you just should always have it, and we just do competing sound effects. I, yeah, I thought about that, but that'd be too to... much. <laughs> We've done that in. I need to look into getting a new tablet. My iPad's kind of old. Things to think about. Yes. Happy jobs, SDCC, y'all. Yes, we are on the first day of San Diego Comic Con. Already ka-ching, some ka-ching. exciting news and announcements have come out. So we'll get to that in the later section of the show when we get to news. But for now, make sure to go to our website, theclicknation.com, where you can find previous episodes of the Comic Book Chronicles and Comic Book News. Ching! Ching. On the website, there's links to our social media accounts. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, YouTube, Google Play, iTunes Radio. And we are a part of the CSPN, the Coastal Podcast Network, aka CSPN Media. Go to their website, cspn.us. And while you're there, make sure to buy some Comp Chronicles merchandise. And that can be found at shop.cspn.us. Are we, uh, are we on SoundCloud at all? Uh, I think we are. Because if we are, we should get Chance the Rapper to be on our show. <laughs> Since he's saving the company and all. Apparently. Yeah, I think Classic uploads uh, episodes on there. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I usually see it when it... When he reshares the episodes at least. So, yeah, subscribe to us on SoundCloud also. Uh, let's see, we record live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're talking comics on social media, make sure to use the hashtags Comic Chronicles and CB Cron. 9, 9.30, somewhere in that range of time. Yeah, we keep pushing it later and later. <laughs> we've, been, we've, been online since, we've been online since nine, but we like sit around and talk for like 20 minutes. Pretty much. But if you're listening on this on audio, none of that matters at all. <laughs> it really doesn't. So this week, we're going to start off with Marvel's event series, and that is Secret Empire number six, I believe it is. Yep, it is, yes. With the uh, Hydra-possessed... Odinson, Scarlet Witch, and Vision undercover. And as far as I know, you're the only one still reading this, right? I am. Agent 70 probably is, but... Yeah. So, I was... It, 
I read the issue, but then trying to think back to what actually happened, and it was a chore for me. But I do know that the Resistance team is ambushed by Captain America's Hydra forces, which means that they have a traitor in their midst. So there's a lot of going back, going back and forth between members of the underground of who could be the, the traitor. Is it Mockingbird? Is it uh, Quicksilver? Is it Ant-Man? Falcon's also there. Is it AI Tony Stark? And he just doesn't realize he's been uh, taken under the influence of Hydra. And it's revealed that it is Ant-Man, Scott Lang, because they have his daughter, or they were threatening his daughter. So he gave up the location of the underground. So that was lame. (laughs) (laughs) They just like announced and then they like got over it quickly because, you know, Hydra forces are coming in. So while this is going on, Captain America is on whatever Hydra ship outside the underground base, which is in like a mountain. It's probably like an old Thunderbolt mountain or something. But uh, Cap is having this conversation with a resurrected Bruce Banner, which they don't go into explaining how exactly Bruce is alive again. You know, forget all that. They just mentioned, you know, newly resurrected or something along those terms. And Bruce, uh, Cap is basically bringing up how he, I guess Nick Spencer, the writer, is using Cap as a means to sort of talk about how, you know, these heroes, they're constantly in battling one another, disagreeing with one another. You know, they've lost their way and they've become corrupted, yada, yada, yada. So like a, a meta description of what's been going on in comics recently, or at least Marvel comics. But also Cap is also trying to uh, persuade Bruce into joining up with him because of all the bad things that his quote unquote friends have done to him, like shot him into space on a, you know, on a, to a planet where he had to go fight for his life and uh, things of that nature. But as Bruce points out, yeah, I'm kind of pissed about what my friends keep doing to me, but you're freaking Hydra. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you know, how long, you know, have I been out of it this long where now like the world is upside down where you're Hydra. And he's like, no matter what, you know, my friends have done to me, you know, you can't be trusted because you're with Hydra now. And like Cap's like, you know, he plays it cool and he's all like, you know, that's, I'm I'm so sad to hear that, but I wasn't talking to you, Bruce. And then like Bruce's eyes light up green. So of course he was talking to the Hulk. So of course the Hulk goes down and smashes into the underground base because Hydra's forces couldn't get past Tony's defenses. He had, uh, they had mystical barriers up to, um, to stop, Scarlet Witch's powers and Tony had some tech to keep the vision out but obviously he had nothing to withstand the power of a Hulk so of course Hulk's going through the underground people and Hawkeye's there and of course Hawkeye killed Bruce so like Hawkeye is feeling like all woe is me so he like he he has his bow and arrow out pointed at at, um, the Hulk eventually he just like puts it down and like gets on his knees and kind of like gives himself over to like you know kill me now um but I think I think Mockingbird like pulls him out before anything bad happens to him. It's like snap out of it, stupid. So no death of Hawkeye. Um, <laughs> we catch up with Captain America at the vanishing point, which has somewhat been spoiled or revealed to be the whatever location that this bearded Cap is at. And also, uh, we're introduced to Red Skull, who is also there, which sort of lends precedence to maybe this is some place like purgatory where like dead characters have started heading off to maybe perhaps because we're in soldier we saw bucky there and either the black character a couple of issues ago was either Fal- uh, sam wilson or war machine 
can't really tell. So if it, I guess if it's purgatory or like a place for the dead characters to go, then that person being Sam Wilson it makes sense. Right. I was about to say, you know, or is, or is Bill Foster? Yeah. Which I heard, I read somewhere that he's making a comeback. But either way. Um, I see it when I believe it. I believe it when I see it. Yeah. So that was pretty much the high points of Secret Empire number six. I forget what the cliffhanger of the issue was. So here's a question. Um, okay, this is the main book, but I saw a couple of panels from that, uh, I believe it was the Brave New World book that came out this week. Uh, is this before or after that? I wouldn't know. You don't know? Okay. Cause... I only read the first issue of Brave New World because I wanted to read the story of the Patriot. Oh, is it Brave New World? It was, it was one of those. I can't remember. Because all I know is like Mockingbird Brave New World. and... What's that? Brave New World came out this week. If, that, if you're talking about the issue of Brave New World that came out this week. I think so. Because it was basically yeah, was the, the first couple of pages was like Mockingbird and the team with um, with um, Ant Man and then they were in the Savage Land. So, that happened in um, Secret Empire Underground. Underground, yeah, okay. So what, like a month there ago. And what's funny is a couple of these like tie-in series. I thought they were actually going to be like little mini series, but a lot of them, besides like Brave New World, is the only one that's like has multiple issues. Like that's been tie-in was just one issue. That Secret Empire Underground was one issue. Wait, I thought Underground was... Well, what? It might not have been with Brave New World, I saw. It might have been Underground. I don't know. Undergra- under, under, underground was the issue where they went to the Savage Land to get a piece of the Cosmic Cube. Right. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Either and way. Pete, uh, Doug has Brave New World issue four up on display. I also have a Cosmic Cube. Ooh! I smite you. Oh, no. He has a Tesseract. Cosmic Cube, damn it. No, 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 Tesseract business. It's even stamped with the Secret Empire logo, just in case, you know, in case this happens to go out in the wild and someone were to actually see it and think it was an actual, you know, Cosmic Cube, they just, they make sure to stamp it so that no one gets too scared that someone might have that power at their disposal. <laughs> actually, it just looks like one of those old uh, big block of rubber, uh, rubber erasers that we used to have. Yeah, it's actually hard plastic. Uh, yeah. But... But yeah, uh, you know, this is the, the giveaway thing. I think originally these were supposed to come out with the final issue, um, but they shipped them out this week. So I don't know if the story's gotten um, delayed that badly or what, what the deal is. But anyway, first time. your mileage may vary at your local comic shop. Yay. All right. So, Tim, this is this is what I want to know. If you were not reading these for the sake of reviewing them, would you still be reading Secret Empire? No. <laughs> well, I mean, there is also end of the year considerations on that stuff, but still, mm-hmm. yeah, it comes down to the same thing. Like, you would not be paying the three ninety nine or four ninety nine an issue for these. I do like that they're coming out like on a semi accelerated schedule, so it's not like dragging on. But yeah, I don't know. I've picked a different on that one, but I haven't been reading it, so I don't. <laughs> it feels like it's been going on forever. We've been listening to it, kind of. Like this? Oh, there's another one of those this week. Uh, yeah. All right. So what else? Yeah, let's let's keep this train going. Well, you brought up um, Batman yeah. pre-show. Batman. I did, which I enjoyed quite a bit. I thought this was a really fun issue. Um, the one downside is that this is uh, an interlude issue. Like it says, even at the top of the issue, at the top of the cover, that it's the War of Jokes and Riddles interlude, and it does more or less just kind of kill some space 
Um, it really doesn't do a whole lot for the actual story of Riddler versus Joker itself, except for the fact that it it expands the universe a little bit and gives you background on a, I was going to say C-list, but D-list, or maybe even an E or F-list uh, DC Universe villain, Kite Man, um, and how he gets pulled into the whole war between uh, Riddler and Joker. And uh, it was one of those things where I started reading it, and at first they don't really tell you who he is. You know, it takes a while before you figure out that that's actually Kite Man. Um, so at first you think it may be some low-level thug guy, and you're just kind of reading, this is kind of interesting, whatever. And then as it goes along, you're really sympathetically drawn towards this character, then you find out it's Kite Man, the guy you've been laughing at every time that uh, he's been thrown into these appearances over the last couple of years in the Batman books. And, uh, y- you know, you really start to feel bad for the guy, for the stuff that's been happening to him. And, um, you know, he gets thrown into the middle of this war between uh, Riddler and Joker. And by the time it was done, I was pulling for him. Like, I actually wanted Kite Man to succeed, you know? Um, it, it definitely made the character a lot more interesting. Now, I don't know if going forward, they can really do anything with the character that's going to continue to you know, make him anything more than a joke in the DC universe. But uh, as far as this like one standalone issue goes, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed this issue a lot more um, than a lot of the other Batman issues in this run uh, over the last couple of years. This was really well done. It was a great uh, character study of uh, kite man and, and, you know, being, someone who is a quote-unquote super villain, but at the same time is pretty powerless compared to everybody else. Um, and the artwork in this book was fantastic. Um, you know, the coloring, everything, just it was a gorgeous book to look at. So I was really impressed that this, you know, really came out of nowhere. Uh, and it, it made you believe that a kite man can fly. Well said. But yeah, I agree with your, like, so far there's only been, what, two parts of the jokes, war jokes and riddles? And yeah, already like in, doing interludes. <laughs> started in twenty five. I feel like uh, it should yeah. have been like in the middle portion of the story. I but. don't know. I, I mean, I don't. Depending on how the rest of you know the Warren jokes and riddles goes, I mean, who knows if it would have fit anywhere else? Um, and they probably needed you know Kite Man. Uh, the way this book ends, it looks like he's going to be a player of some part uh, within the whole storyline. So they probably needed a way to give you the background of the character so you would understand why he's you know, suddenly going to get what looks like to be a prominent position in the middle of the story. Uh, But in doing so, they just crafted a really well done issue. Mm -hmm. But it was still a fun issue. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope Kite Man that keeps reappearing like throughout King's run. He's a, he's a fun character just because, you know, he's like the, he's like Pace Pot Pete or Stilt Man or, you know, one of these guys that you never expect to really amount for anything, but he's always there to, you know, to be a foil at the wrong time, show up at the wrong time, whatever. Um, but this shows that you can take any character, and as long as you write the, you know, the correct story for him, uh, you can make that character matter. So definitely a thumbs up on this issue. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No, I just saw some stuff going off in the background, and I was like, oh, no, going rampant. Um, anyway. Anything off. Off your list, Roddy, you want to get to? Yeah, let me throw out. Um, actually, since we're on the DC train, excuse me for the for the got a cold stuff. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Trinity number eleven. Actually, since we're still on the DC train, I am still enjoying this book. This is what Justice League should be. Oh yeah, we'll talk about Justice League next. Then um. <laughs> I say this as someone who's not reading either book, but um, I'm. <laughs> 
I am I have read Trinity and like it. I'm just like far behind on it. Yeah, and they kind of keep it still. See, well, the only thing is, like, I think as as Dirt said it before, like Justice League should be this big, just action pack adventure style. Like they're just getting into stuff with the whole team and it all together. Like Trinity is not necessarily like that. This focuses on you know the the, the three mains of the Justice League. You might as well say the Trinity as it is, and it it is very much a book that uh, stressing them being them the three specifically being together being better together as the first arc uh, denoted and also kind of being a sort of a family, you know, within the three of them. So even though this, uh, this past arc kind of deals with them at the watchtower with the justice league in peril and, you know, uh, trying to save them because even though the justice league shows up in, in the arc and at various times, they're kind of not there for any, you know, anything either they're the ones in trouble or they're the ones being taken over by something or that's pretty much been the case and like i said it, it is up to, to these three and actually i'm just gonna go ahead and put this out there we go um but like i said they've pretty, pretty much been keeping the arcs and the stories within kind of contained with it with each other because like this is the conclusion of this dead space arc with this issue and it wraps up pretty cleanly you're underwater oh great i don't know i figured that was gonna happen instantly. I liked what I've read of Trinity, and in fact, I've got a stack of them sitting here. I've just fallen behind on it. I'm probably, you know, whenever the evil Trinity popped up, yeah. uh, that's I'm still back at that point. So that's okay, what, so four issues five, or something, four or five issues. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, but I mean, I like it, and and yeah, um, nine times out of ten, I like it more than anything that's going on in, in the Justice League book. Yeah, like I said, they they keep they keep the stories pretty clean, and and like there is a sense of like you you get the perspective each one of their perspectives during the course of each issue, and, and what they're thinking while they're in, you know into whatever action they're going in, and at the usually at the either at the end of the arc or at the end of the issues, there is some stressing about how they're so well together, and it shows, and it's it's a great thing. Like this being the issue, the end of this arc, so the Watchtower got taken over by this supposed uh, infestation, but it actually wasn't. An infestation. It was actually, as you see, the person on the cover that's holding Cyborg, um, who came under the guise of getting rid of this supposed infestation, ends up being that that person was the cause of it because of some, yeah, that person that, that is right there did some. Apparently, his people did some experiments uh, trying to um, trying to fast forward their evolution, and it got out of their control. And in the mean, in because of that, they broke some intergalactic treaties, which the green apparently the Green Lanterns would frown upon. So this person was trying to go ahead and clean it up, but the the quote unquote infestation was another life form, and they were just trying to uh, defend themselves and are still trying to defend themselves from being wiped out uh, from whatever mistakes that this person made. So uh, at the end of last issue, Wonder Woman gets taken control of by one of these aliens, but not really because she had the lasso of truth, which tells her pretty much everything that was going on with those aliens and this alien that's been trying to come and wipe them all off. So there were, and this alien was trying to basically get them to wipe themselves out by crashing the, the, the watchtower into the earth, uh, which in this issue, it does come to earth, but they end up laughing, landing on a, a LexCorp building. Oh no. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, and that's the other cover that is um, that is being shown, which, is, which I think is on the di- inside of the digital cover. But yeah, like I said, the Trinity ends up saving the team, and I don't know if this is going to come back up. But like I said, um, 
that the watchtower ends up coming to Earth and landing on the Let's Core building because apparently it was built to hold um, to to build a withstand of Superman. As being said, I don't know how Superman. Well, I guess we would know by Superman would know this. So there is the watchtower that sits on top of a Let's Core building in Dubai. The rest of the team kind of wakes up from being um, from being infested, and they don't talk about that. That's just it. And then they go to a scene where. Um, Clark, Diana, and Bruce are back in the country, back in uh, presumably near um, Clark's, where Clark stays, and they're near some waterfall, and they're talking at the end of the issue. Like I said, it, all of this wraps up pretty nice and neat. And then I don't know if they see the person, but there's this character that was introduced in the beginning art called White Mercy, which is this little kid that came from this, you know, the whole Dream World thing and that whole other thing, came back again. And the person was like, yeah, we're all tied together and this and that and the other. And then it just ends. And then the next arc apparently is going to be a mini Justice League Dark because Zatanna, Constantine, and Deadman is going to show up. So there actually have been throwing other DC characters in this book outside of the main three, which is another good thing. But like I said, what, how, whatever is going to happen in this arc is going to be probably a nice, neat three or four issue run and kind of keep going. I kind of like I said, I kind of like the way that this book's been running so far, but I, and I also like the fact that they've just been. St- you know, focusing on these three as kind of a tight knit unit and how they are, what they mean to each other type of situation. I'm only interested in it when uh, Francis Maripol is doing the art. Well, yeah, and he does, I mean, like, he kind of offloaded a little bit of the, but you don't see any, there is not any, you know, noticeable, the art's still great, you know, in this book, even when he kind of let somebody else uh, put a hand in on it. So, as I, as I put out on, on the, my, um, my Instagram page, there was a nice big panel of the, the three of them together. That was a pretty nice shot. So, like I said, I, I can't say that whether Trinity is better than Justice League should be, but it is definitely a, a pretty good book. It's a pretty great book. <laughs> I can tell you it's better than Justice League. Justice okay. League is no good. <laughs> uh, okay, so let me jump to Justice League here. I forgot, so, forgot you said we were doing that in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm probably going to give it more attention than it deserves here, but it is, it's just bad. Like it is just, and it's not, it's not like, uh, it's not like it's, it's inept bad. It's just trying to do more than Hitch is really able to do bad. uh, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, And it's the 25th issue. It's supposed to be like the big one. It's the extra size anniversary issue for a whole extra dollar. Um, And, it it like it tries okay so of course rebirth right this is the era of rebirth uh, this is the DC universe rebirth and we're getting all of that stuff so this story is reborn because reborn is part of rebirth and um, recently one of the storylines there's like these time traveler people that have these crystals that sing to them and tell them you know how to manipulate time to try to save people and stop these uh, nightmare scenarios from destroying everything and um, and and this one lady who was part of this time travel team. She didn't know how to stop it and how to get people to, to, to do what needed to be done. So she just went out on her own and she was manipulating people and whatever. And so they've decided to lock her away because she's no longer safe. So in this issue, she's having this conversation with Batman and, you know, we've known ever since the rebirth special, how long ago was that? Almost a year ago, two years ago. I mean, a little over a year ago, year, May, year and a half, May, maybe? Of, May of last year, I think. Okay. So a year and a couple months, um, and and so they're having this deep philosophical question, like or uh, 
conversation and she says every force has an opposite balance and not just your heroes that get a second chance at life and batman goes is this why you asked to talk to me about resurrections and, and it's like full of this dialogue where it's resurrection and rebirth and reborn and another chance and an anti-chance and an anti-birth and a destruction and a and, and like it goes on and on throughout while this story is going on it goes through it goes back and forth in this conversation and it spends the entire issue to say absolutely nothing like it, it's, it tries to be so deep that it ends up like just surface level light doesn't express anything, doesn't accomplish anything, doesn't say anything. Uh, just just here's here's the important information you get out of the conversation. Someone is behind manipulating the universe and they may not be a good force for the universe. Hey, guess what? We got that in the rebirth special. That came out a year and however many months ago. Uh, we kind of got that with the whole Flashpoint thing when the New 52 even started. You know, we knew there was some force behind it. There was something else there. So he spends this entire issue with this old villain who died, you know, eons ago uh, at the hands of the Green Lantern Corps. And now he's being reborn and resurrected. And you got to kill him and you got to destroy him and destroy all his people. And the Justice League are like, no, we're going to find a better way. And we're going to find a way to stop him without killing all these innocent people that he's taking care of. And, uh, and, and so, like, it's supposed to be like this. They're fighting this creature that's coming back to life, but finding a better way to stop it and to put it back down. It's supposed to be like this allegory for the DC universe and, um, you know, in the, the darkness of the DC universe and how they have to struggle against the DC universe and how it was uh, you know, rebirth and everything gets reborn and you have this new chance, which, uh, great. Could you not have done this like in issue one? If you want to kick things off with, you know, talking about rebirth and being reborn, but a year and two months, 25 issues into it, like, we got it. Like, we're past this. Like, this is not new information that you've built this entire story around. So, like I said, it's just, it's not like it's bad in the sense that, you know, it looks like a bunch of crayon scribbles and Superman talks like Bizarro and, you know, that. But it's just bad in the sense that you get this idea that Hitch had some like high concept idea. Like I'm going to, I'm going to have this deep debate about what is, you know, re rebirth and reborn and someone's manipulating the universe. And yeah, we got that. Jeff Johns did that and he did it really great in a special. And we're still waiting to follow up on that. We got the button thing, uh, you know, a couple months ago with Batman and flash and it was great. And it had some great stuff in there. And all he's done was throw together this issue, which costs you an extra dollar that does absolutely nothing, <laughs> says nothing, doesn't grow the characters, doesn't move the characters, doesn't add anything to the story. It's basically, I guess he's trying to do like a recap. Like if you have not read any other books, if, if the only books from the DC universe that you're reading uh, is Justice League, well, then now you've got a handle on it. Well, I, I guess it's possible there's like one guy. You know, there might be one guy on the island of Malta that gets comics, you know, sent to him in a cardboard box every couple months, and all they send him is Justice League, and and that's all, his only way of following what's happening in the DC universe. So I guess that guy is now up to speed. Good for him, but for everybody else, they're wasting four dollars on an extra sized anniversary issue that is completely worthless. That really just it it does nothing. Like I'm I'm really I'm at the point where I'm thinking I may drop Justice League. Because so many of the past 25 issues, I've gotten, you know, I, I read the issue and I set it down. And I'm just like, eh, like it's, you know, I'm starting to feel the same. Like, I don't read the Avengers books anymore because after Secret Wars, the Avengers books just stopped being like this cornerstone of the Marvel Universe. So I just, I don't care. So I don't read them. I'm starting to feel that same way about Justice League where I may not read these anymore. I may, I may give up the title because, you know, uh, you're spending money on books every month. And if they're not paying off, it may just be time to 
to cut bait and let it go. So, so yeah, I'm real big thumbs down for this issue of Justice League. Uh, you know, if, if you've been on the fence about dropping it, just drop it. If you want to save a couple bucks this week, don't buy it. Uh, it's it's just like I said, it's a big it's a big nothing burger. I'll put it that way. So five out of five from Doug. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Click of the week. All right. <laughs> wow, that's bad. I'm surprised you stuck with it this long. Well, you know, it's always been one of those titles since I was a kid. Like, you know, when I was young, one of the first comics I got, probably like the third or fourth comic that was not, you know, like a Richie Rich or, you know, Beetle Bailey or something was a Justice League book, Justice League of America. And so I've, I've read it like my entire life, you know, and it's had some ups and it's had some downs and whatever, but I've always tried to stick with it, you know, but uh, Justice League Dark was the only series that I, I never followed, you know. Uh, but otherwise, every Justice League, Justice League United, Justice League of America, although the new Justice League of America I've given up on, too. So, uh, yeah, probably going to end up. Yeah, I've fallen behind on Justice League of America, though. I want to keep up, get caught up with it. But I say that about a lot of titles. Actually, I'm I'm dropping, I'm probably going to drop this, but I've started picking up uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws. So I need to get That is up. good. I like I've Red Hood. Like yeah, I've, got the last, right. I've got the last maybe five issues of that sitting here to read through. I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, that came out last week, I think, or this week, I forget, but I haven't read whatever the latest issue is yeah, yet. Yeah, I had that um, Death of Superman knockoff cover. Yeah. I ended up, yeah, I ended up grabbing. It's hmm. nice. It's a nice, fun little series. That and the one before, Red Hood and Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah, that was, was great. Yeah. So... Uh, and I've been reading Aquaman, and uh, I need to catch up on Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. So there's definitely other stuff in the DC Universe that's grabbed my attention. Uh, Pick up Trinity. I, I have been picking up Trinity. I've, I've got them sitting. I've got a, here's the newest one right right there. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But I've got the whole stack. Like I said, I just you know have fallen behind. But I actually have them sitting in my to-read pile over here, which you can see is starting to get tall again because I keep adding <laughs> books to it. But yeah, yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah, Justice League's probably getting dropped off the pile, at least until right. they switch writers. <laughs> That's yeah. what I wanted to ask. Um, does it feel like he was trying to pull a pull of um, a Hickman, but failing miserably? Yeah, well, like I was saying, like Jeff Johns, you know, I said did the same thing in the special. Like I, I got this feeling that he's looking at the DC universe and he's looking at Rebirth, and it's the anniversary issue and it's extra size, so he wants to come up with some deep allegory this story of uh how they're going to do things differently than the way things were done before and he's like he he tried to be so smart that he ended up writing something that was pretty stupid you know uh mm-hmm. and it just uh you know I, I just don't think he's got the chops um i'm trying to remember what was the other he did a batman book uh a couple years ago mm. um and it was one of those where it was like it was decent but it wasn't the main batman book so you you always looked at it as kind of like an you know a plus one title you would read Batman, and then there was like this plus one title on the side that he was doing, was it like Ink or um, or Batwing, yeah. or one of those. Maybe it was, maybe it was Batman. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, here it's like again, Justice League should be like one of the big cornerstone books of the DC universe. Like this is all your heavy hitters, you know, coming together into one uh, story, and it just it doesn't it doesn't work. Already, all right. Let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> um, we got any more DC that we wanna. Uh, Super Sons. Okay. So, possible click of the week. Yeah, actually, I read this. This is pretty fun. There it is. And I will keep reading this as long as Tomasi's writing it and Jorge Jimenez is drawing it, because both of them are spectacular. So, Clark and Lois have relented and let, uh, or they allow John Kent, John, Jonathan Kent to go on patrol with Robin. 
Damian Wayne. They figure it's better to give him a little freedom than to restrict him so much where he's like breaking rules and getting himself in trouble. So they set off together in Metropolis to do some good deeds, like helping retrieve cats out of trees and uh, stop like little muggings here and there. I'm trying to remember what happens after that now. Uh, Jay Walker. The Jay Walker. But there's a, there's a, is there a larger threat that's teased? Uh, well, th- I mean, there's a guy who's teased early on, but um, then the Teen Titans arrive after they do their... Oh, that's right. Yeah, because the Teen Titans obviously are on the cover. So uh, Robin leaves with the Teen Titans, and uh, Superboy can't go with them because he's not a teen, even though he's taller than Damien. But he's he only feels... 10. He's only 10. He's not a teen. He can't be in the Teen Titans. Right. But I'm like, is Starfire a teen? So that was the one thing about Teen Titans that, that kind of bothered me. I was like, why is she still with the teen? And she's definitely probably not a teen. Well, yeah, did she, she's like, did she still date Dick Grayson? Like, is that still part of? No, I think they're still kind of close. They, they've been shown to be kind of still close, but no, not dating. Well, but I mean, did they date in the past? I want to say they, they kind of hinted towards that. Yeah. Like they, they, they think they have said like, yeah, they had a thing in the past. Cause I remember when Starfire had her book and he showed up, they kind of brought that stuff back up. Well, maybe then because she's an alien, she doesn't age at the same rate as everybody else. So she can be a teenager much longer than humans. See, uh, I don't know. give me my no prize. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong company. Give me my baldy. <laughs> but just the uh, the interplay between Damien and John is just so much fun, and the art is great. The, uh, I remember. The, so the issue I remember ends with Superboy going back home and falling asleep on the couch. Oh yeah, uh, whoever the Titans, uh, Teen Titans, I guess confronted whatever. The Time Commander. Yeah, he turns Robin into an old man, and he shows up on uh, the Kent's doorstep when Superboy opens the door. Is that like a old villain, or is this some new character? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's an old villain. Yeah. So there you go. But uh, yeah, one thing you were saying uh, earlier is that you're going to keep reading it as long as um, uh, the same artist stays on the book. And I, I have to agree this, like I, I did stop. Like there were a couple times when I was reading the book that I actually stopped and stared at the artwork because it was so well done. Mm-hmm. Um, did you say artist or writer? No, the, the artist is um, Jorge Jimenez. Yeah. Yim, yes. Yim, Jimenez. No, but I thought Tim said Tomasi. But yeah, he's the writer. the writer. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, but no, but I'm, but I'm saying I, what I was going to say was beyond the story. Like I, I do like the story, but beyond the story, the artwork is incredible in this book. Right. Um, and um, I, I know a lot of that is probably going to the colorist as well, um, mm-hmm. Al Alejandro Sanchez. Because, um, uh, like I said, there are a couple points in this in this book where I'm just looking at it, and like they're in Metropolis, right? So Metropolis is different from Gotham. So there's always a lot of light in the sky, uh, which is kind of a weird thing to notice. Um, but like it really felt there were a couple times where I'm, I was looking at it going, wow, this really feels like they're in a, you know, a big city as opposed to like a Gotham or um, a Keystone um, or, you know, any of those other cities, like it feels different. Like it, it feels like a Times Square, um, you know, type of feel Metropolis does because it's always like this orange, yellow, brown uh, light that's always coming through the sky. Like when you're in the big city and you have all those city lights and the way the light you know, plays off a lot of stuff is really well done in this book. And like I said, there are several times where I just had to stop. Like when Time Commander, he busts through this brick wall. Um, you know, he's the goofiest name. It's the most random 
old school, uh, you know, 1940s throwback um, costume, but it works. And like, I find myself just looking at the artwork going, wow, that is really well done. Um, it is just a beautiful, um, you know, beautifully done book. And I, you know, there are several points where you, you notice like the fabric on the couch has a special pattern that's kind of faded, um, you know, from where they sit. And there's graffiti uh, on the brick walls that's faded and, you know, broken in with the cracks on the bricks uh, that are being broken through. And just all these little things that go into the book that just make it, you know, stand out just a little bit better than uh, a lot of other stuff on the stands. Um, like, this is just a, an excellent, excellent book. Uh, it's definitely one that people need to check out. Story nice. and art. Story and art. Beautiful book. You're here. Nice. All righty. So, in more DC, or can we just, can we got some moving on? Those were um, my two DC books, but. I can do, let's see, wait. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I can save it for rapid fire. Okay, cool. Let's push on then to, actually, I want to bring up um, Ultimus 2 number 9, actually. So, yeah, So, Ultimates, like, you can always tell when Al Ewan's having fun on a book, and you can kind of tell this with U.S. Avengers a little bit more, but um, he has this big toy chest that he's been kind of been playing with for the last few years, and um, sometimes a good bit, and sometimes he just kind of brings stuff up and kind of drops it. Uh, but nevertheless... There's always something going on with it. That being said, I guess I guess if the only complaint I would get if I had one about this book out of the way before I go into it was that the ultimate seemed like they're a side character in their own book. Because most of the last few issues have pretty much been more Galactus focused and what's what he's been doing. And he's been pretty much getting Eternity Watch together, um uh consisting of like Ego and Cyhawk and a, a couple of other folks. And in this issue they're all together, and they literally kick in the door on these what they call the Dark Celestials, which is pretty much logos, which was the, um, um, which is an amalgamation of some some the law not law and order, but um, order and chaos and that whole thing, and um, the first firmament, which I guess is of of remnants of the fir- of one of the first universes that ever that happened. Um, so they Galactus goes in there and they start a fight with those fo- those folks in this in pretty much this side space of the universe whatever at the same time we have uh evil reed richards aka the maker uh going to counter earth to talk to high evolutionary which I, whose name i just found out his name is herb or maybe i knew that and just blanked it out um so and but i just found that kind of silly so anyway they're watching this whole fight some kind of way but not only f- watching the fight but they're recording the data from it and this goes. This doesn't go unnoticed because Galactus and all of them, being cosmic beings, knows this. Galactus is like, you know, after being told who's watching them, and he's like, "Hi, evolutionary. I know that. I know that dude." And then he just kind of was like, "You fool! Don't you know whatever?" Because apparently they they finally they figure out something's going on. But by the time they figure it out, the, the maker is kind of gone with his plan, and that seems to be. M- I, I thought it was like remaking the multiverses, but apparently that's still around, but making one universe and kind of folding it back in, which if you've been reading Ultimates ends up tying back into the fact that Eternity was in chains and the first firmament is pretty much trying to take over on his own. And there's no really telling whether the maker is working with uh, the first firmament or whatever the case may be, but a little bird is telling them to, to do some stuff and he's doing it, whatever. 
So what ends up happening in this book, while Galactus and them are fighting, um, the maker, and I guess spoiler bells is, is should be should be wrong here, which I guess if I have that up. Ding dong. There you go. Not to keep me from having to bring it up. Um, feeding energy to to eternity, which eternity is ends up breaking out. But as he's doing that, Galactus is like, "Hey, don't oh don't do that because if you do that, then the super space where where Galactus and them are fighting them will be will be destroyed." And sure enough, that pretty much happens. But it also turns out to be a trap because as eternity's breaking out, the first firmament's basically feet, um, who, who seems to be, has been gathering energy and feeding off of what Little Scraps has got is now starting to feed on eternity. So from what, basically on what the maker says, he just made one universe and brought back a whole bunch of, seemingly brought back a whole other, the old universes that's, um, been destroyed or something like that. It's it's weird and it kind of doesn't make any sense if you even if like me if you've been like reading this book the whole time, it's almost like when we were reading um, Infinity and Hickman 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 was kind of doing all that long stuff long con stuff where just from bringing up stuff and stuff that happened you don't know what was gonna you know go on with it and this and the other. I like Ewing's kind of kind of been doing that here, and some of it's starting to pay off. Like yeah, and they they. They talk about um, actually they bring up the, the ultimates who were fighting to try to get back on Earth because the shield is up because of Secret Empire. So they bring that up and this and that other, but that ends up being a side case to this. And like I said, eternity breaks out. The super space presumably may be destroyed. The first firm is doing this thing, um, but before that happens, Galactus calls tells the shaper of the Earth, the shaper of worlds, goes to go find the ultimates and take them somewhere. And sure enough, he goes to Earth, does that, and they disappear to somewhere while in between Shatari waves or whatever the case may be. And we're not entirely sure where they are yet. But at the end of this issue, we get the reveal that um, the maker has brought some stuff, some of folks, some folks back. And if, and apparently this next issue is going to be um, a hundredth issue, so which means that they're bringing back the classic Ultimates from the Ultimate Universe. Because we see them at the, the last page of so this book. So this is how they can justify using those issues from the Ultimate line in their legacy numbering in a couple months. Mm, that seems to be the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so apparently, so what it seems to be setting up is our team of Ultimates is going to go up against the OG Ultimates next issue and whatever this other far-reaching stuff, you know, is happening. Like, the books have been good, but it's... it's I don't want to say it's a little dense, but like you definitely have to kind of pay attention to what's going on because there's some stuff like even when the first ferment came around, I was like, who is this person? What is this? What's going on here? And this and whatever. And like I said, um, Ewan's been using characters that have been giving me giggles. Like I said, Cyhawk from New Universe type of situation is going on here. Um, and the books can do it, but it is kind of like I said, hard to follow what's going on with it because it's like, okay, clearly there's something big that's going on here, but you don't really get the sense of that until something actually pops off, but you, and you don't really know the res- how it's going to resonate through the bigger issues. And we kind of still don't, because it seems to be contained in this book. Now, whether it's going to fold out into whatever's going on you know, after Secret Empire or not, we don't know. So, it has been a whole thing. <laughs> oh, and by the way, and meanwhile, T'Challa's on Earth talking to the, uh, the White Tiger God, and we're about to fight him, for whatever other reason. So, Black Panther versus White Tiger? Yep. So... Yeah, that is so. That is Ultimates two number nine. I, I've, I've enjoyed it. I'd say it's a particular click of the week. So. 
And I guess while, while we're at it, let me go ahead and s- s- drop in U.S. Avengers number eight, which has nothing to do with Ultimate's number nine, except for the fact that there is a call, kind of call into what's going on in Ultimates. I'm going to do this while I'm talking about it. But the main thing, the, the main gist of the, co- uh, of the story, as the cover would suggest, actually kind of plays out like that because so Tony Ho's been captured by Hydra and uh, this is after also um, Roberto DeCosta has been shot in the head with uh, apparently an energy bullet but he's still alive just not for doesn't seem like for very long so we see Tony Ho in a situation that her father uh, Jensen Ho was went in with Tony Stark you could almost take this as a legacy issue and it, and it kind of reads as such because you spend the whole issue with her kind of going back into her past, finding out that her father's dead and her feelings about that. And then the rest of the issue is like, okay, we need to get out of this. Pretty pretty much her being placed in the same situation as her dad, but not necessarily having the same tools as her dad. So she kind of has to, you know, figure things out. Like I said, she's she's in the same cell as uh, Roberto, who's dying from his wounds, but his sunspot powers is kind of going out of vector and his impox is flaring up. So she's basically spent the whole issue trying to figure out how to fix that, which she does. And she doesn't have to die, spoiler alert, like her dad did. So that was the part I was kind of worried about because like the last issue kind of kind of called that up. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to kill her off. And they didn't. And now, so she fixes Sunspot. Um, he seems to be back in fighting order in, in his right mind because when he got shot in the head, he was, he was you know, out of it for a while. Um, but like I said, just as the original Iron Man got his original suit, uh, Roberto got something that helped him get back into, into fighting shape in a similar matter. Um, and that was the gist of the story, but then you see little things like they get, there's a page where Cannonball's still out in space. He's not dead because he, he was shown to be blown up by when the Chitauri wave happened, but that didn't happen. He got kidnapped and he's being sold off to some, some, in some slave auction or whatever, but apparently there's this human guy or human sounding guy that is there named Howard Mason or something like that. I don't know if he's somebody of note, but he's apparently since they they take they they brought him up for a reason, and um, so that's going to come up again. And then there's the other side of the story where Squirrel Girl and Iku are in France because they got transported last issue, and they're fighting Hydra, and they ended up <clears throat> teaming up with Captain Britain, uh, Faze Hussein, Outlaw guillotine and a couple of other people and they're basically trying to take over um take back france from hydra uh in this base so that's another little side story i'm assuming they're going to bring that up and but that's like the the big issue was was the thing with tony and uh sunspot trying to break out of this hydra thing but it was a good clean story it was it was cool like i said it and it just definitely seemed to serve as a a legacy story at least that's what it seems like so they've been doing a couple of those lately. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, wasn't there one last week that felt it like a was. Mm-hmm. The um, yeah, Unstoppable Wasp, I believe, from last week was kind of the same. Yeah, teeing it up. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool though, and those those two. You want to rapid fire it now? I mean, yeah, we can. Because I don't really, I got a couple of left. But did you want to read two? Yes, I did. I feel bad because I actually forgot all about it. Mm-hmm. Because I actually ordered one of the variants, and the variant didn't make it into the box this week. So I didn't get my print copy of it, so I forgot all about it. Yeah, I didn't get mine either, but I got one to order. So So did it stand up? I think it still stands up, yes. So, and I would probably have to take a 
take something back I said from last issue because remember I think I remember saying something about the butler didn't sound that much like didn't seem to sound that much like Wordsworth from the movie right in this issue he he kind of does um because there's a conversation he is having on the side to the to the audience where it pretty much sounds like if you if you read it in Wordsworth's cadence it sounds just like that but um the rest of the issue let's put it this way the detectives are still investigating there's some more bodies that stack up um let me see. Without getting giving too much away, some some stuff happens. They, there's some stuff that that ends up um, coming to light from a couple of characters, and um, they kind of depart from. They depart a little bit from the how definitely how the movie goes, but that's you can't go by that because that's not. I don't think that, that they were trying to do that, right? But um, so it, it definitely ramps up, and more stuff and more clues come about, and. There may or may not be another body. Dun dun dun. Yes. Cool. So, All right. Well, I, I think it still to definitely it. holds up. Yeah, yeah. I I think it still very much holds up. So now I do not know in this book. Um, now I've read the review copy because like I said I didn't have my pro- no I didn't because I bought a digital copy actually and I don't know why I even did that and <laughs> did not and it did not have the extra pages like the last one did with random so, endings. Right. In fact, let me let me go back and let me go back and make sure of that because I'm pretty sure I read to the end of it. Yeah, yeah, because it goes into uh, some Back to the Future thing, whatever. So they don't definitely keep that part up, hmm. but that doesn't necessarily say that the very, well, no, actually, because they would have because the the the, um, the Butler Raider would have would have called attention to it if they had. So it is real quick. I don't know. Yes, yeah, so I don't know if the. Um, if Bind of Variance going to net any other differences in that, unless, you know. It, it was just more along the lines that the, uh, the variants are like these character, uh, pro, there's like two characters standing side by side, and when you put them together, right. it makes like a long, uh, single image. And so. Right. Uh, but yeah, but the first issue also did have those extra pages where they had different endings right. or right. different clues to them. So. Um, where's our review copy? Let me double check this here. Clue number two. There we go. Yeah, I started reading that review copy, and then, like I said, I just ended up, for some stupid reason, buying it. And <laughs> so technically, you're buying a second copy. Yep, pretty much. Um, yeah, the ending of this is the same as the other one. So yeah, there's no okay, no bonus stuff on that one, which mm-hmm. is fine. You know, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, like I said, I, I didn't. It didn't seem like they would have. That wouldn't have been viable to try to hold that up. From like, it was good that first issue it was like, okay, that was that was a that was a good setup. But you would also think that that would be something they would be saving for the last issue, which I probably wouldn't make sense at this issue because it's only going to be five issues, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe so, the entire issue will be different depending on which cover you buy. That's actually probably. I mean, they they could very well do that. <laughs> Choose your own destiny. Kind of. I mean, that's how the movie went. So, and it was kind of weird that they just went out the gate and did like three different kind of you know things. So it could very well. Work. We will see in a few months. But yeah, still enjoying it. If you're a fan of, you know, no, no, no. Well, if you're a fan of the movie, I love you to death. Because I haven't met, you know, because I haven't met too many people who wasn't. But that's not saying that you would have to be a fan of the movie to enjoy this. It would probably help. But all right, what else do we have? I guess we are. Are we officially in rapid fire? Yeah. Uh, let's see, Mighty Thor number twenty-one. Well, oh. So using the sewing machine there. What happened? No, that was that automatic gun sound effect. I guess that was the wrong one. Who knows? But this focuses on the new War Thor beating down some uh, flame 
gods or blame villains who are raiding one of the the Ten Realms. He runs across uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Solomon, Roz Solomon, who she, uh, it takes the hair for her to, you know, the red beard for her to recognize who this person is along. Also, you know, Volstagg uh, journeyed with her on the mission, that the secret mission they went on. So she tries to uh, reason with Volstagg, but he just wants vengeance for all the, the elf kids that were killed in front of him last issue. And we see Odinson with Jane Foster, who has become ill from her cancer and changing back and forth to Thor doesn't help the situation any. But uh, the hammer shows up to and speaks because the hammer can speak to to Jane, uh, lets her know that there's trouble in one of the realms. So she goes off to do her duty. And that's where the issue ends. Uh, art from this issue is Valerio Shitty. Russell Donovan does the cover there that you see. Very nice cover. Uh, Astonishing X-Men number one. Just now getting around to talking about this one. Oh, yes. Big book from Charles Soule that's going to have a different artist on each issue. And the villain is the villain from the Legion Effort series, and that is Shadow King. I was going to say, have you been watching that? Have you watched that series? No, and I actually just remembered... I need to see. It's on streaming, I think, so I guess I can still watch yeah. it. I think they took it off the FX app at a certain point. But uh, they actually had their, their panel tonight was at San Diego Comic-Con was the Legion panel. Right. But Shadow King is the villain here. He's attacking all the various psychics in the world. And, of course, he gets to uh, Psylocke, who is one of the world's like greatest psychics. And she starts to lose control. And uh, as this is happening, she sort of reaches out and puts out like a distress call to any familiar minds that are nearby in the area. So she's in London and there are, there's a couple of different X-Men sort of in the area, like uh, Rogue and old man Logan are flying the Blackbird, like cross country. And they're sort of in the area. So they get uh, alerted uh, gambits working with uh, who's the dude in the white mask. Phantom X. Yeah. He's working with Phantom X on a job, stealing some stuff, which is actually interesting because Gambit, she reaches out to Gambit, but she doesn't reach out to Phantom X, and that's because of their shady and uh, complicated past. They had a thing, yeah. Yeah. Bishop is nearby, so he gets picked up. Who else is here? Angel. And actually, one other character who isn't this shown on the cover um, shows up near the end. So... They show up to help Rogue, or not Rogue, but uh, Psylocke, whose her powers have like manifested into like this big, huge psychic butterfly that's like attacking some building. So they have to try to stop it. They, they what they end up doing is Rogue touches Psylocke to siphon the powers off, but the power, the energy she's uh, you know she's uh, putting out is too much for her. But Bishop can you know harness power and redirect it, so she kisses him. To, so he can leech off the power and he shoots it into the air and then that sort of um, stops everything. Psylocke catches everyone, gets everyone caught up on what's going, going on about it being the Shadow King wanting to do all these bad things to the world and doing it with psychics. So she uh, is going to take some of the X-Men into the psychic astral plane to confront um, Shadow King. She ends up taking everyone except um, Bishop and Angel they're going to stand watch 
while everyone, of course, is just like laid out on the ground as they're in the astral plane because, uh, there could, you know, any threat could come because Shadow King could possess someone else on the out in the real world and send them to take them out while they're unconscious in the astral plane. So someone, someone needs to be on guard. Angel is still like a pacifist kind of dude. He's trying to keep the Archangel persona from coming out. So there's that. And then the other character that shows up after the fighting is over is Beast. And he goes, so he's one of the members that goes into the astral plane. And then we see, as the uh, issue ends, we see Shadow King talking to someone off panel that he has like chained up. And it's spoiler alert Storm. Ding dong. -dong. Professor X, because you're dealing with psychics. Oh, wait, what? Uh, Charles Xavier. Is he dead? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's where I'm like, is this just like an astral? Is is Xavier's when Xavier died? Was his astral self um, like uh, stuck in, in his in psychic self plane? stuck in the astral plane, and then Shadow King like chained, like caught him and captured him and chained him? Or is this just like you know, it's on the astral plane, so it's not real? So is this just like a is this like a redirect fake out by Shadow King? I mean, there's been times in the past where he's shown up to like specifically rogue, but that's like in a dream or something because you know, like basically you can't trust things. what you see on the astral plane, right? That's weird. You have to keep watching or keep reading to see what comes of this. Now that's the question. Will you keep reading? Yes, I will. Hmm. And You're the last book, the I... old villains back. That's the, that's for sure. These in this X Men books lately. But yeah, it's the legacy, you know, go back to the basics. You got Mojo coming back and oh, no. Shadow King. Hmm. I got two two more books. Uh, Invincible yeah. Iron Man number nine. Uh, Iron Heart versus the woman that's taken over Latveria. Uh, we find out some interesting things uh, regarding AI Tony from Friday. Kind of like teasing, I think, some future story, uh, at least one future storyline of like, Maybe this uh, Tony AI Tony might be something that folks need to pay attention to because whereas she's an actual like AI, the AI Tony is his actual like consciousness like downloaded into like machine form. So like for all intents and purposes, that's Tony, and he doesn't have like any like prime directive like she does. So they spend a little too much time like talking about that. So I feel like that's gonna play out later. Oh, and uh, Ironheart defeats the lady. I forget. I keep. I don't remember her name. It's like Von Lucia Von Barda, something like that. But anyway, Ironheart wins. So like, she claims herself as the new ruler. And, That's going well. Yeah. And Royals number five. Uh, they deal with Ronan the Accuser. Uh, Marvel Boy like reveals this part of the secret of that the Kree have like, um, like hidden. As far as like who create you know Cree and Cree created the Inhumans, but who created the Cree? Um, he the Mar- the Supreme Intelligence is back thanks to him, at least a version of the Supreme Intelligence. And in the future, uh, there's a accuser with the Last Inhuman, which we learned the Last Inhuman is actually Maximus. And I'm assuming the the accuser looks a lot like Marvel Bo- like an older Marvel boy. So I'm assuming that's who that is. And then we see at least one of the creators of the creed, the progenitor as it ends. And that's been teased in the Marvel legacy whenever uh, the Royals get to that portion of it. And I'm done. Joy. Um, well, I can go next unless you want to, uh, Dirt. 
Go ahead if you if you're ready. Go. All right. Cool. So, um, hmm, I only have three books, and we'll go with Time and Vine number one. So I mentioned this to you guys um, earlier today, and and, and this is going to sound really reductive, but I pretty much described it as uh, Doctor Who with with a winery. Uh, and if you read it, it kind of makes that makes way more sense because um, so. We have this history teacher named Megan. She's down in the dumps because she finds out that her mom has Alzheimer's and uh, her f- teacher friends wanted to get her out of the house because of, because of that. They took her out on, to, not necessarily on the town, but they take her to this place where there's a winery uh, across from this bed and breakfast that they're staying at. But they're just busy partying up and she's at the bar where we meet her and she's talking to the person that's bartender whose name is Darren, but Darren's kind of a side character. The main character is called Jay who owns the winery that they're, that they're on the winery slash bar that they're at. So winery, uh, Jay is this older guy. And as you know, as tends to happen when you're in a bar and in a bartender's type of stuff, like she's just telling her, you know, telling all what's going on with her to this bartender. So Jay gets this idea of like, well, let me take you on a trip. To uh, around the, the the winery, so she takes him to this wine cellar. Now, before this, we see him coming back from this from this shop to get this with this bottle of wine, and, she, and he asks the other girl, the other guy, Darren, just to kind of take it and put it away from him. Anyway, uh, back to Megan and Jay. I think his name is Jay. Anyway, they go down to the wine cellar, and they're still talking, and they sit down and they talk about the history of the, of the place and this and the other, and they have a glass of wine, and he you know, kind of is telling her the history and then there's something special about it, which we come to find out as they are drinking the wine and sitting down, they get transported to uh, the past, which apparently the, um, from what I gather, the wine cellar is special because if you take a drink of the of wine from a, a specific year that the bot that um, from a specific year, then the cellar, if I'm getting this right, will take you back to the year that that bottle of wine was made. So in this case, they end up going back to 1916. Um, and at first, Megan is like, this is a joke. I'm drunk and this and that. Other, 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 because she just kind of got thrown on her. And she's like, I want to go back. So I was like, well, you can't because, you, you know, we're here for about a good hour. So they go upstairs out of the cellar. And apparently, like I said, Jay has done this a few times before and has brought people with him because he has said the stuff. So they're, when they get outside, their clothes change because that's also has to do with whatever magic is going on in the cellar. And they're mingling. And then Jay ends up finding, seeing somebody that he knew to which we don't get the whole story on until later on in the story. Megan is left to her own devices. She meets a guy. They start chatting up and have a kiss. And she has this, this thing. And they, and apparently it's like New Year's in 1916 and it's snowing, which, you know, apparently she's, um, not seen because of you know whatever climate. So that little adventure happens, and then they end up going back down to the center because it starts to wear off after the wine starts to wear off after an hour, and she's like still not believing that they, they were actually in 1916. Um, but Jay shows him proof, and she's still not believing it. And he goes on to ask her, "Is like, hey, I, if you're looking for a summer job, I need a basically a companion or someone to kind of go on these little excursions with." Because, like I said, he used to have somebody to do that with, but he, but he doesn't. And then he explains that the one, the person that he saw was someone from his past. Um, and then Megan goes off, goes talks to his mom, 
then gets more intrigued about this winery, goes back the next day, and they have another adventure back to 1969 uh, with the moon landing, and they see this person again, and Megan kind of gets it in her mind, just like, okay, yeah, I'm, I, I want to do this, because she's just, just like all up for the, adventure, for the adventure that's going on. That seems to come about by drinking wine in a certain, you know, from a certain year, and getting drunk. I don't know necessarily getting drunk. I mean, apparently it's a side effect to the wine is like you get really drunk like when the stuff wears out. So that's one. Like I said, it was a pretty interesting story, I thought. And I don't know, I'm going to assume this is uh, ongoing. I'm not sure. But there was something that intrigued me about it. And I don't know. Like I said, there's definitely more gets hinted at going on with this book. But it definitely did put me in a Doctor Who-ish kind of vibe with the way some of the things um, played out. Like I said, there's no telephone box, but there's a wine cellar. So, but some of the beats are still there. But there is so a companion, and exactly there is a companion. So that was, the, and that was the thing. I was like, oh, okay. So, and then, and the other guy that works with him knows all the stuff is going on. So that's kind of like the other companion that sometimes is with them. You know, even though he wasn't on the trip, but he kind of knows everything that's going on. You know, and the other things like when they go back in time, they come back. They're pretty much still in the winery. But they come out at different places. So luckily, like I said, during the moon landing and during the 1960, the, the winery was there and there was having stuff there so they could be a part of whatever history is going on at the time. And it's kind of funny because they come out and it's like, yeah, they get some they get some drinks at the bar or whatever. And it's like, uh, yeah, put it on Justin's tab, 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 which apparently there somebody, which we may or may not meet, um, is called Justin Time. And the bartender knows, okay, well, that's clearly, these are friends of his, or it could be Jay. We don't know that for certain. And the tab, there's always a running tab wherever they go for Justin. So either we're going to meet that person or we're going to find out that person is probably Jay or whoever the case may be. But like I said, it was interesting. If anything I said um, kind of interests you in that, and I realize I've said that word a little too much, but um, if that intrigues you at the slightest, check this book out. It's, it's kind of neat. Um... Superb number one. Actually, I think that might be my last book. Oh, no, no, it's not my last book. But Superb number one from Lion Forge. Catalyst Prime Superb for, the, for that reason. Uh, so this is the newest book in the, the, the Catalyst Prime uh, uh, line. We get introduced to Kayla and Jonah, and they're going to school. They're, what we get the sense of is Kayla and Jonah were friends when they were little, Kayla moved away and they came back into town and come find out her parents are working for Foresight, which is the, the big company that you can say is responsible for the big event that is happening in that whole universe. Meaning, you know, people getting powers and Lorena Banyan trying to um, do whatever she's doing over in, in Noble. Um, but we meet these two characters. We find out Kayla's tied to, to Foresight. And we also see pretty much a ground level of what's going on. So this is pretty much knee-deep in the mutant hysteria type of situation. So they're in school, and they're going through what seemed to be a metal detector, but it's not. It's actually a test to see if anybody's um, special or gifted. When I, when I can't remember what the term they use, but basically if anybody's got powers and comes out, turns out one of the, the people that they knew has it, has powers. But what we also tend to find out is that... Um, there are people from Foresight, you know, looking at the stuff and like, well, we're not catching all of the people before their powers become rampant or whatever the case may be. And our tests are not catching everybody. So there's a problem there. 
And there's also Jonah, who apparently has powers, but he hasn't been come up because he went through the thing and he hasn't been caught either. But there's so there's this on the one side, there, that's the whole thing. And then, of course, because there's like a quote unquote mutant hysteria, there are kids at the school who's like, whenever somebody gets caught, there's like, well, good on them because they're freaks and that whole thing going on. And of course, Jonah doesn't like it because, you know, people are, you know, bad things are happening. Um, and Kayla was like, you know, she just don't want even want to be in the town anymore because, the, you know, because the town's crappy, as she says. But also because of her parents work for Foresight and they work late in hours and doing this and that and the other, she's kind of bitter about all that kind of situation. Um, so we don't necessarily get them together as they are on the cover just yet, but we do see Jonah running around as the, his costume. And they don't really say too much. Now, granted, if you know anything about what's going on with this comic, then you, then you know, I think. Jonah is has Down syndrome, but he's um, he's functional. Let's put it that way, and that happens because this is like not everybody with with Down syndrome has a more pronounced case, you know. And they even have a little thing on Down syndrome in, in the back of the book, and but that doesn't really show itself. You know, they don't really talk about it in the course of this issue. Like, unless you've read any of the news about it, you wouldn't know that much about it. You, but you do know there's something different about him outside of the fact that he has his powers. Um, so yeah, like I said, this issue pretty much just serves as an intro to these two people and not necessarily them going to come together as their superhero stuff, but at the end of the issue, like Jonah's kind of going off and doing the superhero thing and Foresight's kind of tracking him, but he gets caught and it doesn't seem like he, whatever he was doing doesn't have any focus. So we'll see what happens with that next issue. Um, but it, it seems like something like I said, this is pretty much a ground level, um, view of what is kind of going on in, in that world. Uh, last book is America number five. Uh, so this is like after America kind of does her last arc stuff, her and her bestie Kate Bishop are going on a road trip because America is just kind of tired and all the stuff that she's been dealing with. Uh, she just needed somebody to talk to. So she hooked up with Kate and they, um, and they kind of had a nice little slumber party or whatever the case may be. And, uh, it comes to find out that, uh, somebody has been hitting up, America's DM that she met in the last arc kind of acting like they've been wanting to get a little closer or they and or they needed some help. So Kate and America go on this road trip out to the desert to try to find this person. And they do and they find a little trouble. Of course, they get into it and they get out of it. But and there's a swerve at the end of the book, this new potential boo of um, America's kind of turns on her and drugs her. And uh, that is we will see the what happens with that next issue? That is that. Alrighty then. <clears throat> um, Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows number nine. In the last issue, Mary Jane got the Venom suit. And it turns out she got the Venom suit from uh, uh, Norman, little Normie Osborne's mom. Uh, this is the uh, parallel universe where Peter and Mary Jane got married. They have a daughter, May. Um, and Norman Osborn is a young child as well. He's, I don't know, 10 or 11 um, in this world. So the same as their daughter. And uh turns out the mom is just as villainous as the son in this case. Um, um, she found the Venom suit, gave it to Mary Jane because she knows the secret identity. And so she's trying to cause havoc with the whole family and keep them busy while she allows little Normie to do whatever uh, despicable things he's going to do without getting caught. So uh, they're fighting Venom. The key thing about this, though, is that up until this point, the series really has been about them dealing with May, the two parents dealing with their child who has powers and how they're going to 
um, you know, let her go out and um, branch out on her own and discover her powers and how much control they want to keep over her. A lot of the stuff that we see happening in Super Sons um, and with the Superman books. But this particular issue takes more of a focus on just the parents. Uh, May, I don't think May even appeared in the entire uh, issue. So this is more about uh, looking at the parents uh, dealing with the Venom situation in this universe as opposed to dealing with the family stuff. So it was an in- interesting break. Um, the artwork is really good. Um, the story is a lot of fun. Uh, so this is definitely one that uh, I, I really like this a lot because I really have not liked regular Amazing Spider-Man in a couple of years. Uh, and this being something so different, uh, I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, of course, there is another uh, Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. There's another Spider-Man book on the market. I've been enjoying this one, too. Uh, my son and I are both reading both of the Spider-Man books. Um, this one seems to have much more humor and a lot more fun than Amazing Spider-Man, and I think that's part of the reason why I like it more. Um, it deals a lot more with him as... I don't want to say the bumbling idiot (laughs) necessarily, so to speak, but it's a lot more of he's the guy who's back to being the guy who's always running late, always has the stain on his shirt. uh, is always trying to um, have a conversation with somebody and the the villain appears. Um, He's not, I don't think he's the millionaire anymore in this, or if he is, it's very understated. Um, I don't know that Parker industries really gets uh, mentioned for much of anything, Um, but uh, it does uh, feature Ironheart. Um, dealing with uh, trying to figure out some Tony Stark um, technology. And so he does meet up with her in there. So if you're a fan of Ironheart, you'll probably want to check out that because she makes a a bold appearance in here as well. So that was a fun book. I enjoyed both of those uh, quite a bit. Superman number 27. This is probably, this was probably supposed to be the 4th of July issue and it just came in the wrong order. Uh, You know, got, uh, thrown off schedule a little bit or whatever, uh, because this is the family setting out to travel across the United States in an RV so that uh, Jonathan can see, um, you know, when he stands for truth, justice, the American way, well, what is America? So they get an RV and they're traveling across the country. So you get to learn some of the history of the United States, some of the lesser known uh, people and um, um, places of importance come up. So you get this history lesson, but there's really no action. Like there's no, threat that Superman's facing, um, you get a glimpse that something's going to happen next issue, but this particular issue is just them talking about some of the forgotten heroes, some of the forgotten history of the United States. So like I said, this probably was meant to be the 4th of July issue and just got messed up in the schedule, but it is interesting to see some of the people and places that they focus on uh, that are outside of the normal stuff that you think about when you think of 4th of July. Um, but like I said, it's not not a whole lot of meat to it. I appreciate the idea that they want to teach a little bit of history, but uh, um, you know, it would have been nice to have some, you know, some fisticuffs or something else going on in the meanwhile. Uh, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye number 10. Boy, this book is weird. Um, so basically this giant monster has been traveling throughout the multiverse, uh, sucking up people and taking their energy and their souls and using it to make himself stronger and go to other universes and spread his corruption and whatever. And so Cave Carson, the old uh, challengers of the unknown spinoff character and, and his people have been jumping from universe to universe to universe. The big thing in here though, is that cave Carson run into cave Carson jr. Um, and the, uh, the, the amazing thing about that is of course that he never had a son. He has a daughter. So uh, the fact that he runs into this son that he's never had is, you know, playing with his emotions and whatnot. And it leads to an interesting point where the story ends this book though, if you do not, like refresh yourself with 
the storyline that's going in here, if you, you know, just you read it casually, you set it aside, next month comes out, and you try to pick up the next one, you're going to have no idea what's going on in this book. This book is so tightly packed and woven together that you really have to keep up with the story. So I can't recommend this as like, hey, if you like multiverse books and stories, then jump in on this. I can't say that because you really have to go back to issue one. Now, if you want to jump back to issue one and read it, it is a really interesting uh, series. It's been a lot of fun. There's some great character stuff in here, um, especially there's a, a, an issue where he saves Superman, uh, which is kind of, you know, like the one great thing he has, the story that he always tells at parties. But uh, you cannot just grab an issue of this on, off the shelf and just jump into it. Go back to number one, start at the beginning. That's the only way you're going to understand anything. But uh, it does pay off pretty well. It is a fun story. Uh, we have The Courier, number four. From Xenoscope, uh, this is a post-apocalyptic world where humanity lives in just these enclaves uh, scattered across uh, the nation, and there are these mutant monsters that live in the world in between, and this woman uh, is a courier. She goes from place to place. Um, they usually have a lifespan of about 18 months, and somehow she's lasted 10 years doing this job. So she's like the legendary uh, one that is able to survive, even though it's still this horrible wasteland out there. Um, she gets played as a patsy in the murder of another character and so now she's on the run um, and she picks up another guy who she's trying to save but of course he makes some dumb decisions and gets them into a whole bunch more trouble uh, it's been a fun story i like post-apocalyptic stuff uh, there's only one more issue though and it doesn't feel like the story is going to wrap up cleanly at the end of the next issue it feels like it's just going to end kind of their confrontation with these people uh, that screwed her over um, but I'm hoping that because of that, it's going to lead to another series, hopefully in the future, because I, I have enjoyed those series quite a bit. Um, but, you know, being a fan of post-apocalyptic stuff just really helps uh, in, in my enjoyment of that. So um, if that's what you're looking for, that's a, a good book to uh, jump in with. Um, and I think I might call it quits there. There's a couple other things, but they're not really worth talking about. So that's going to do it for me. Back to you, Tim. And it's our clicks of the week. Selections. Uh, we already have uh, Agent Seventies, which is the aforementioned Astonishing X Men number one. So we can go ahead and get that one out of the way. Mine is going to be Super Sons number six. <laughs> I'm I'm torn because I want to pick that, but I also want to pick Batman because uh, they were both really good. Um, but as I think back on this and how great the story and the artwork was together. Um, as, as much as I love Batman for making Kite Man into a character I cared about for what change, uh, I am going to have to give the nod to Super Sons. It's just, uh, it's just a fantastic book. And that leads me, which uh, I was sitting here the whole time you were talking, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I'm... Hmm. I guess I will go with Ultimates 2 number 9. Like, um, like Time of Iron was good, and Trinity was great, and you know there was a, there was a couple of good pretty decent picks, but I will go with that. It was, it's doing a lot. So, that being the case, um, before we get into the news real quick, let us get into an ad. I've got Audible up. Do it. For you, the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Check out books such as The Best in the World at What I Have, well, the best in the world at what I have no idea by Chris Jericho, King of New Orleans, How the Junkyard Dog Became Professional Wrestling's First Black Superhero by Greg Klein, Wrestling for My Life, The Legend, The Reality, and the Faith of a WWE Superstar by Shawn Michaels, and much more. 
to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial forward slash comic chronicles. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash comic chronicles for your free audiobook. I really need to find some comic book related audible books. Yeah, I see there's like some sci fi down there, which I guess would kind of relate to us. Mm. All right, so before we also get into the news, and I thought that sound effect was going to work, but apparently it is not. Whatever. So Dirt's about to leave here in a second, but he wanted to. Thank you. <laughs> Spoiler, I'm about to leave. I know, right? <laughs> I'm actually staying for this uh, abbreviated yes. news segment that's going to come but up. We're still, yeah, we're going to do So before Dirt leaves, he has a, an unboxing he has. So uh, take it away. All right, so we've got another Comic of the Month box. Again, this is the uh, the one that's put together specifically for each person who orders. So I went to comicofthemonth.club, and I filled out the form saying which books. Did I like older stuff, newer stuff? Do I like Superman, Justice League, Batman, Flash? Do I like X-Men? Do I like Captain America? Whatever you pick, uh, they tailor make the box for you every month. So uh, And they have a collector's version and a regular version, so I get the collector's version. Um, so anyway, I've got it right here. It just came today. I haven't even cut the tape on it or anything. Uh, so we're going to take a look here at what I got. And, and this is great, actually. This uh, works special for me because my birthday is actually on Sunday. So I get to count this as a birthday thing. So my wife is like, oh, more comics? And I was like, yeah, for my birthday. Uh, of course, that doesn't explain every other month, but still, uh, nonetheless, here it is. So. All right, so it comes in a – have fun with that later, popping all those. Um, let's see. There's a letter in here. Thank you for your subscription. New and improved duplicate policy. We send out a lot of books. Uh, we want to ensure that we never send duplicates. We never want our customers to get stuck with duplicates. So we're simplifying our duplicate policy. If you get any duplicate comics, just send us an email and a picture. It's not that we don't believe you. We just need a picture so that we're not sending out too much. Um, duplicates could even be months apart. There's no time limit. So if you end up getting doubles of books, send them a picture, let them know on the email, and they will take care of it and send you replacements. So that's cool. Seems like you could still abuse that. (laughs) Well, someone probably could, but I wonder if they keep, I don't know, they might keep a record. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, you may be right. Yeah. So I can go back and double check. So, all right. So our collector's book of the month this is Atlas number one. This is that looks like Jack Kirby. Uh, yeah, is he hero or man? This is a Jack Kirby book, and it's got a ten dollar price tag on the back. I don't know if that's correct or not, but uh, Jack Kirby DC stuff you don't see a lot of that nowadays going through stuff, so that's cool. Uh, another thing that Comic of the Month Club does is they try to give you multiple, um, you know, copies of uh, of a title. Um, so that you can get, you know, like a storyline going, so you're not getting um, just a bunch of random stuff. You can try to follow along a little bit better. Um, West Coast, you guys know I've been getting West Coast Avengers uh, in these for quite a while. We've got Acts of Vengeance that we've spoken of recently in the past. (laughs) We've got uh, 54, 56, and 57 here. So there you go. So uh, we've been talking about, we we mentioned Acts of Vengeance, and I even made the bet I was going to go dig all these up and go through them. Maybe they're watching the show. I don't know. But uh, there we go. So I'm going to have, dang it, now I'm going to have to live up to that. Um, There's also the um, Atlantis Attacks, Avengers, West Coast, uh, annual. There were a bunch. I remember one time thinking I was going to read these, and I was thinking there was like four or six. No, there's like 12 or 15. Yeah, because they spanned all of the annuals of that year. Yeah. 
Remember the thing making a joke about being in Atlantis Attacks like a couple of months ago or a few months back? All right, so then we've got Superman, the Man of Steel, um, 37 and 38. And one of those is a zero-hour book. So you can see this is when he was fighting against, uh, or at least meeting all the different versions of Batman through the years. I remember when this came out being really excited for it. So that's cool. Uh, and then, oh, dead again. They killed Superman again? What? So that'll be fun to read through. And then there's also another annual for Superman, Man of Steel. Uh, from the same time period, year one, which followed right after Zero Hour, so that's cool. And then, <laughs> I don't know why they keep doing this to me, probably because I said something here on the show about it, but they sent me another uh, image, um, New Men from Image Comics, back in the uh, the heyday of all the uh, extreme crazy, another Liefeld-looking book. I'm going to have to flip this thing through real quick. And I said something, uh, you know, last month about the fact that they keep sending me these weird uh, Image Extreme Studios things. And uh, let's see here. Rob Liefeld, sure enough, Rob Liefeld, creator of the New Men. So there we go. So that's what I get for making fun of Rob Liefeld on the show all the time. They, Like I said, they personalize it directly to you. And he, so I, I bet you it was like, Rob Liefeld watched the show and was like, hey, you know, um, you know, get get that guy some more of my stuff. Rob, Rob Liefeld is probably like a, a ghost backer of the company. So, so anyway, <laughs> yeah. So t- tailored exactly for you. Um, and like I said, I love this service. Uh, I don't, I don't have the graphic. I made a graphic a couple months ago. But if you go to comicofthemonth.club and you can sign up, uh, there's a referral thing. You can put my name Dirt. If you put Dirt on there, they know who it is. Like I said, it's not going to – if you put the referral code for me on there, it's not going to pay my rent. They're not sending me, you know, fat stacks of cash and big checks every month. But, uh, you know, it does it, – it helps with my with my package, with my uh, – uh, getting my comics. So uh, so anyway, if you want to go to comicofthemonth.club and put in the name Dirt, I'd appreciate it. But I do believe in the service, even if you don't put my name in there. I've been getting, you know, gems like this uh, to go through and look at. Uh, I always love getting these packages and this is even in a like a thicker. This is like a five mil bag that it's in, like one of the crispy, uh, thick ones, not the usual. Right, not the ones made for current books. Right, like the, the two mil ones that you get that you you can breathe through and uh, put condensation on the book on the inside. This is edited, written, and drawn by Jack Kirby. Sure enough, it is exactly. So this nice. is from 1975, April of 1975. So that is. That is some, this is always like cool little nuggets to go in the collection of. You know, it looks the like, a, um, looks like a, a good copy. Yeah, actually, from what I can tell, uh, I don't I don't see any white on the uh, spine corners or sharp. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good copy. So you know when I when I pass away, uh, you know when they're going through an inventory and all my stuff for auction, they're going to go, oh, he had pretty good taste. Uh, but he also had terrible taste. We can't figure this guy out. We have no idea what, what was going on with his collection. So, anyway, guys, comicofthemonth.club. I love it. I love getting this every month. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sit back on Sunday on my birthday, just kick back, relax, and... Uh, and some bourbon. Read my comics. Oh, I hope so. They're better. <laughs> well, maybe some Scott. Scott. Hey, okay, switch it up. Sure, why not? So, anyway. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. I got to get up at 5.30 in the morning, so... I'm going to take off, but Agent 70, I hope your family recovers well. Uh, thoughts and prayers are going out for you and your mother, so hope everything's good, and uh, Tim and Roddy, have a great show, and I'll see you guys next week. All right, have a good birthday, too, if we don't talk to you. All right, thanks. All right. I'm turning 29 again, just so you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Later. All right, and now we are on with 
the cinematic news, and actually, let me pull up um, this here. Bap, so we can go through this. Uh, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. I got way too many tabs up. <clears throat> Excuse my voice also. There's a lot of tabs. Yeah, and I knew that at some point that we were going to go. That's part of it. I've, I've noticed sometimes when I, when I have a lot of tabs up, that's when sometimes I go in the water. Uh-huh. So that's one part of the mystery, but that ain't it. Anyway, cinematic news. So there was a lot of news coming from D23, which was last weekend, and also going into uh, San Diego Ooh, Comic. Oh, God, I hate stupid idle playing video. I don't know where it is. But that's fine. We're going to roll through it. Um, first up, Marvel provides fresh look at Black Panther costumes, and this was from uh, D23. Apparently, the the costumer uh, at Stitch Kingdom, I guess on Twitter or Instagram, was uh, this like this is yeah from Instagram, was showing off a bunch of um, Black Panther costumes that they had on display at D23, and they looked great. There was another article I saw about um about the uh, the Black Panther cosplay is going to be pretty much on because of that, you know, because of stuff like that. So that ought to be great. It is in definitely in the show notes if you got the link that I like uh, put out earlier, so you can go check that out. Uh, premiere date and voice cast for the new animated series Marvel Spider Man announced at D twenty three Expo also. And if you haven't seen the little um, um, the video that came out, I think probably prior to that, then that was a little kind of a teaser into it. Then there is that the the guy's been playing Spider Man. His name is Robbie Damon. Um, like I said breadwinners get like i don't know who this guy is but there's a, a bunch of people we found out that um anna Corazon's going to be in here um max Modell, squin stacy let's see uncle ben you know and of course the rogues gallery um patton all is going to be in here Laura Bailey. let me see a bunch of other people's going to be here so there we found out some stuff about this oh miles morales is going to be in this also so, so it's hard it's to be look, yeah it looks i'm looking forward to this show yeah, kind of. I am too. Like the the art style was was different from the last couple of shows. It seems to be a little bit different as this video shows would show. Um, so, but yeah, this is like they they may be packing a lot into this. So that'll be cool. Next up, uh, let's see. Here's your first look at the insanely detailed model of Disney's Star Wars land. So this is another thing that came out in D twenty three. Apparently, this uh, Disney World is going to have a Star Wars land and is going to be. A whole thing. So we got pictures of it that some somebody from uh, io9 took, and I saw another article saying that they were trying to get it to be like Westworld. They wanted the, the, to be an experience like Westworld, which I'm thinking, did they see Westworld? Because things didn't go quite. Well. <laughs> but uh, you get what they meant by that. But nevertheless, I'm like, ah. of course, Dennis, Dennis has been doing this kind of stuff for years. So if anybody would be able to pull it off and keep damage to a minimal. I'm pretty sure it's them, but it looks to be cool. And whenever this happens, I want to go. Like it sounds like they they pretty much have everything that you uh, a Star Wars fan would want to experience in, uh, in this. And apparently, it's going to be oh, it looks like they're going to be at both Florida and California. So no matter which uh, side of the country you're on, you'll be able to experience this. Makes sense. Um, and this was the experience. This was the the article I was referring to about the West Forest type stuff. There's even going to be a Star Wars flavored hotel and a whole bunch of other stuff. But that ought to be cool. Um, also from D23, we there was a, a video put out that was a behind the scenes for Star Wars The Last Jedi. And um, I, the good folks at IO9 broke it down to the very last compound. I still have yet to see this video, but this uh, the gift they have showing up with uh, Finn and, and um, 
Ray dances for the, for the neat. So I hope that's, that's decent play. Anyway, if you haven't seen that video uh, yet, that came out last weekend, then go check it out. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of good nuggets of things that the, that is in there. Let's see. Ron Howard teases Lando, Chewbacca, and the Falcon from Han Solo set. So, yeah, Ron Howard, famed director. He's doing the, the and Opie from, from Andy Griffith, as most of us older folks knows. This is also from D23. I guess did a little video behind another behind the scenes. No, I was just kidding. This was on Twitter and Instagram where he showed off some stuff from the set. It's a bunch of capes here. Um, one thing to note that this article brings up that in this picture of, um, if you're watching the video, there's a picture of Chewbacca uh, checking out the what looks like to be the dailies. And if you look at the picture, it looks like Chewbacca holding another of a species, which t- could pretend to be his wife. Um, which for me kind of thinks that at some point we will see his, his son Lumpy show up. And this article even kind of says something about that. So that'll be funny. If, and I think Lumpy has, Lumpy has been actually made into canon thanks to one of the books that have very recently came out. So fans of the Star Wars uh, holiday special from back in the day, rejoice. Uh, Marvel and Star Wars characters confirmed in Record Raft 2. So we know there's going to be a Record Raft 2. And, um, there's going to be a whole lot of brand synergy. And we also found out that there's going to be a bunch of Disney princesses in this that'll be voiced and um, having small parts in this. I still yet to see Record Ralph, so I you know, I know the gist of what goes on with it. And there's just going to be another one. Have you seen it, Tim? I saw Record Ralph. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like it's going to be more of the same with more brand synergy. Uh, let's see. Uh, Avengers Infinity War appears to have a f- of rats filming, so I believe they were in. They're in your neck of the woods, filming. Yep. Um. Yeah. It says um filmed in Atlanta, Edinburgh, Scotland, and New York, and apparently they may have finished at least that one on July fourteenth because they are doing two movies. They're doing Infinity War and that other Avengers movie, whatever the presumably the aftermath of Infinity War, whatever that's going to be. So they wrap filming on that. So all they got to do is you know post stuff and all that kind of good mess. But we know it sounds like they're right on schedule with it, so great. Uh, more Avengers Affinity War movie news. The promo poster pays homage uh, to classic comic book covers. Cover. So if you're watching the video, you will see um, a shot from someone, some a Instagram uh, from D23 Expo, and there's a poster that's up that has Josh Brolin as the Infinity, I mean, as Thanos holding the Infinity Glove and the date. And of course, there's the... Um, the Infinity Gauntlet comic book from back in the day that they are that they are homaging. So that's cool. Uh, rumor: Steve Rogers assumes new identity in Avengers: Infinity War. S- some people are speculating that it could be the Nomad, the man without a country, which is that's probably about as good as any guess. I'm personally kind of going for the Captain. Just skip over Nomad and just go to the Captain. Because <laughs> we already know they're working on a, a, another shield. He's probably more than likely he's going to get another shield from. Uh, the energy shield from Wakanda, but we don't know. It's all rumor at this point. If that's if any of that's ever gonna is gonna happen, um, let's see. Mark Ruffalo may have accidentally revealed who all dies in Aven- uh, Avengers: Infinity War. I did not read this article because I did not want to. Just in case that actually did happen, didn't want to be spoiled on it. But apparently, this was also at D twenty three, and he and as as the picture shows, he and um, Don Cheadle were were talking. I guess this was like for Good Morning America. Excuse me. And he may or may not have spoiled who dies. 
So <laughs> if that is the case, then I don't think he's going to lose his job over it because <laughs> it's going to be all right. Uh, people are just going to watch the movie. So, um, A new standalone, speaking of Mark Ruffalo, a new standalone Hulk movie will never happen, Mark Ruffalo says. And he, again, at D23, he was talking. And again, Don, Don Cheeto was right there beside him when they were talking to somebody else, not GMA. But um, he says, apparently, according to Variety, he says, and I quote what this article says, I want to make one thing perfectly clear today. A standalone Hulk movie will never happen, the actor said. Universal has the rights, which is true, for standalone Hulk movies. Uh, and for some reason, they don't want to, they don't know how to play well with Marvel. And they don't want to make money. That was his quote which I thought was pretty funny. Now, that being said, Universal does have a right. We, and, you know, this is him speculating on it. It could very well be true. What he's saying could be true, but it may or may not be. It doesn't seem likely we're going to hope movie, but, you know, everything he said doesn't sound wrong, you know? Maybe yeah. with the exception of the not play nice, not play well with Marvel. We don't know. He may know something. We don't know. So that was just him him talking at the, at the, on the side. Um... Sony's silver and black rumored to be fe- to rumor to feature classic Spider-Man foes. So we already know this is not going to play into the MCU, and this is a Spider-Man side film starring Silver Sable and Black Cat. Sounds like the chameleon is going to be here. Tarantula is going to show up. Uh, the Scorpion, which who showed up in Spider-Man: Homecoming, I, you know. Um, I don't know. We don't know if it's going to be the same guy or somebody different because apparently, like I said, this, this is not going to have anything to do with the Spider-Man films, it sounds like. Yeah, that's a whole confusing mess to try to understand. Yeah, it's dumb. It really is dumb. And also Tombstone is going to... Uh, There's a lot of the C and D list. Pretty uh, much. But, you know, hey, Spider's got a deep end, so they can kind of do that. But the fact that they got, like, eight, you know, the Scorpion, who technically showed up in Homecoming, or they well, if they say here a version of uh, well, that's the tarantula. Excuse me, the tarantula also like like you said, a bunch of C and D list folks. Uh, so that's coming next year, late. We'll see how all that plays out. Uh, Agents of Shield season five to begin production soon. So woo! As we know, um, next month the humans are coming, and that's going to be like eight um, eight episodes, and then I think Agents of Shield is probably going to come back next January. I believe that's what they said, and it probably says here. But you know, because of Inhumans was was part of the reason why they like. But then again, they've been doing that. It's like they've, it's not like this is the first time they've had a big gap between seasons. So it is what it is. The Incredibles two begins a minute after the first film ends. Um, I like Incredibles. It was a great Fantastic Four movie, <laughs> as every, pretty much everybody has been saying. And um, you know, we finally get an Incredibles two. Which the funny thing about it was in it, the the Fantastic Four compl- comparisons, even though there's more than four people, um, I guess there technically is more than four people with Jack Jack. But anyway, um, the the movie ends with pretty much a mole man character. If you and I didn't remember that until I watched this video. Which if you haven't watched, seen Incredibles, go watch it. It's pretty damn good. Um, Need to rewatch it. Yeah, I, I'm thinking I'm going to do that because like I said, I, wa- I watched this video and it just shows the end of the, the movie, and I was like, yeah, that movie really was good. So it's worth a rewatch. Um, Incredibles 2 will hit the theaters in next year, June 15th. So I am slightly debating about actually going to see that in the theater. I don't know. It's like the, the oh, first I will. One. Yeah. Because like that hey, first one was pretty good. What's up? Looking at the time, I'm probably going to have to. Okay, that's out. fine. I got it. Yeah, that's fine. I'll wrap it up. Appreciate it, man. Not a problem. So we'll see you I'll long. Catch- 
you, do you have the list of the books we reviewed? Uh, I have no, them. I don't, but I, get I, it. I, I got it. I'll send it to you. Okay. Later. Later. All right. So as we finish this up, um, there is a good bit of news. Like I said, this is from D23 and some uh, San Diego news going on here. Uh, the first look at Disney's DuckTales reboot will hit you with all the nostalgia buttons. This is coming out of D23. They were privy to showing uh, a preview of D20, of uh, DuckTales. So if you were there and saw that, that's cool. I should worth pointing out that there was a DuckTales book that came out this week in the same art style. Uh, it was DuckTales Zero. Um, we had a copy. I have actually bought a copy. Didn't get a chance to read it. Otherwise, I would have brought it up earlier. But um, yeah, there's, like, there's a sneak preview. There's a video out there for it. Go check it out if you are so inclined. Uh, Big Hero 6 TV series unleashes opening title sequence. So, again, you know, there's going to be a Big Hero 6 um, TV show. Sounds like most, if not all, of the original cast will be coming back for this. I- I've never seen Big Hero 6, so I'm going to have to check that out also. So it, it seems like, yeah, with Record Ralph and this, and I've got a lot of Disney, some Disney stuff to catch up on. Um, I believe that's going to oh that's going to be debuting this fall on Disney X too, just like uh, the Ducktales reboot. Uh, X Men: The Dark Phoenix set photo reveals a new look for Cyclops. And if you're watching the video version, we see an Instagram pic from um, um, just like Comics Galaxy, which I guess I don't know is a uh, some um, fan site or something. We're not surely sure, but there's uh, what potentially could be a look for the new Cyclops. Uh, Deadpool 2, Blind Al returns in new production photo. So Blind Al from the first movie played by Leslie Uggams um, is returning for Deadpool 2. I remember the scenes of her being pretty pretty funny. She played um, Wade's uh, roommate and apparently obviously this is a a comic book um, a comic book uh, person, which I don't read Deadpool comics. I don't know. But cool. Uh, Netflix releases the Punisher teaser. So, yes, we are getting a Punisher Netflix series. And um, Marvel put out a nice little teaser on it. I have not watched it yet. but Or the teaser yet, I should say. But um, that's probably coming next year. Not really certain. We know they have been doing filming on it, or they started doing filming on it, so I don't know. Titans TV series will consist of 13 episodes in the first season. So if you didn't know, the live-action Titans series is coming on to DC's streaming service uh, next year, I believe. And now we know how many episodes are going to be in the first, excuse me, in the first season. And I don't even think, according to this article, they have, did they put the cast together? I'm not even sure. Yeah, it says here that not all the roles have been cast yet. So they're starting filming, but they don't have all the cast yet. If that's the case. Or the filming is going to be starting in September, according to this article. Um, but hey, they know what they're doing. And that's going to be next year on said... Uh, I'm not sure what the name of DC's um, streaming services, but I know we talked about it in the past, so it doesn't matter. Um, Arrow News. Arrow EP teases season six changes. So I am behind on Arrow... And all of the DC stuff, I've said this before. Um, so I haven't, um, I don't know what has happened in the last season, but I've looked to catch up pretty soon. 
Uh, excuse me. Like I said, I'm still under the weather, so I apologize for all the sniffling. Shazam! Rumored to start production in 2018. Um, interesting note about this. This is a rumor, uh, as the title says, and this is coming from um, the rap, or someone from the rap who is saying this, and they were saying something about... Um, Apparently, he was said this on Twitter, and somebody replied to him saying that, "Hey, unless uh, the Rock is, um, unless the Rock isn't in the film, then that production info you got was wrong." And that's from somebody from Variety. Apparently, you're talking to him, and uh, to which the Umberto Gonzalez replied that he's not in it. And there you go. So, if that is actually true, then Shazam is going to be starting. And they're going to do something else with Black Adam, who the Rock is supposed to be playing. I don't know. Um, also, some great fun in setting the internet ablaze news. So we found out this Sunday that the new Doctor Who has been cast, and it is Jodie Whittaker of um, Broadchurch and other things. Fame, actually, Broadchurch, which I have not seen, and apparently she was in Attack the Block with. Um, with um, John Boyega. So that is interesting. A doctor and a former stormtrooper uh, side by side uh, taking it to the so aliens. I still need to see Attack the Block. So congrats to relations to her. As um, like I said, the internet went up in flames when this happened because this is the first female uh, in that fan- franchise to play that role. And this is what people have been wanting. Um, I may find myself finding not actually I've been meaning to want to catch up with Doctor Who for the longest anyway, but I would like to see the very much the entrance of this character and check out what's going on, you know, with it all the same. Like I said, so this is very interesting news all the way around. Um, a young cybernetic warrior leaps into battle in this short based on Dark Horses number 13. I do not know what this number 13 book is, and I have not seen it seen this video yet but apparently um this was a book from dark horse by robert love which is a a funny name to me but you know i won't give away the the connection to that and i don't know that person and david walker um i don't know if it's david walker that we know from from um luke cage and power man and you know prime man actress that that david walker i'm not sure um but yeah the short short film um, is about a teenager with uh, sought after cybernetic powers who doesn't remember what he is and he gets um, chased and apparently things ensue. From comments, it sounds like this was pretty kick-ass, so I'm looking forward to checking this out. And it's also a person of color, which is also a cool thing because you, you never you know, get to see cool things happen to people of color in comics or life in some cases. That's neither here nor there. We will keep on going. Um, Family Guy pays tribute to Adam West. Man, this is... I should have cut down some of this news. Um, so, yes, the, after the passing of Adam West, um, the original Batman, who was also played a prominent part on Family Guy as the mayor, uh, passed away recently, as we all know. They had, like, five episodes in the can. I think we talked about this already, and they were going to air this mess, uh, those, um, those episodes. And apparently going to have, if they haven't already, which is, this could be what this video is that is on here, a standalone tribute to Adam West. So that is the thing. And it uh, looks like last, I'm thinking this is last in the, yes, in the comic book news, 
And fresh off the wire, Noah Hawley is def- uh, developing a Doctor Doom movie at Fox. So as we know, Fox has the license to Fantastic Four. So I guess in order to keep that license, they're doing a thing. So he was at Comic-Con, and he just happened to drop that he's developing this for Fox. We don't know anything about it outside of the fact that he said so um, at Comic-Con probably today because this news like came out literally about a good, uh, probably as the show started out, I think we were talking about it beforehand. And that's it for the cinematic news. On to the comic book news. We start off with this toy corner. So it is it is San Diego Comic-Con this week, and um, a lot of toy news as well as other news coming out coming out. We only have a little bit for us now. Um, I am looking forward to seeing what other stuff that we probably missed um, come out. But Hot Toys ignites its Ghost Rider Agents of Shield figure. So this is cool. Uh, Hot Toys is bringing out later this year a looks like what looks to be a Ghost Rider, aka the Robbie Reyes version, um, uh, later this year. And I'm not going to click that because it's going to start a slideshow. I don't know what it's going to do. But CBR has that info. And from this one picture up top, it looks good. Like I said, I, I, I want to click through it, but I don't want to. And I got way too many tabs. So it might cause some confusion. But it's cool. Another, um, I don't know if, I don't remember if, I think Robert Reyes has had a figure before or this, maybe a different one. Um, not sure. But that ought to be cool. Uh-oh. Oops. Back up there. Other news, Thor Ragnarok Sideshow Collectibles might uh, contain a major spoiler. Not necessarily sure that it is a major spoiler, but it sounds like um, they were at Sideshow Collectibles booth at Comic-Con, and the, the Loki figure comes equipped with a Cosmic Cube. That may or may not be a spoiler. We don't know. I mean, because Loki had the cube when he was in the Avengers, so that's not really saying much. But it could say something about what happens in something that happens in Thor Ragnarok, the soon-to-be-coming movie. Whether that's a spoiler or not, who knows? It is a thing, and there are more figures coming. Um, Also, more toys. There are Thor Ragnarok. Well, I guess this is talking about the figures themselves. We have a Gladiator Thor, if you look in the picture. And also, there's a Gladiator Hulk figure that's right up behind him. Um, let's see. Yeah, here's uh, Loki. And again, these are all from Hot Toys, not Sideshow Collectibles. Uh, there's a Hella figure, and there is a Valkyrie figure, which I think I like, and I might actually want. Like, it looks kind of like t- really like Tessa Thompson, and it looks looks great. Um, and there's another Thor figure, and there's uh, another lot of the door of the gladiator hulk like i said these figures look pretty great like i'm trying to keep uh my my figure buying down to a, a slow roar like hopefully from the show matt wayne could get the three refigure from diamond that i'm that i'm really wanting I, I will be forever grateful but you know our man in the trenches doing his thing so hopefully we will hear from him next week um, but that's it for the toy corner, I think, for right now. DC to release Enrico Marini's Batman, The Dark Prince Charming. It is a graphic novel from said, art, uh, said um, combo creator. Um, actually, it's going to be a, a pair of graphic novels. And it says to pit the Dark Knight of Gotham against the Joker, of course. Um, and yeah, sounds like um, 
it is going to be a whole thing with them, and they have some secret connection, according to this, um, according to the synopsis given here. And uh, if you're watching the, the video of this, I am kind of going through some of the art, which looks nice, actually. It is um, some good-looking stuff. So check it out if you're a Batman fan. Uh, Peter Parker returns to the, ba- the, the Daily Bugle in Marvel Legacy. So we already knew that um, Peter is losing his millions, much as I think of that as a bummer. Um, but Entertainment Weekly, I'm going to say reveals, but you know, this typo that um, CBR put up, that in Amazing Spider-Man 789 kicks off the fall of Parker storyline, which I guess that's when he's going to lose his riches or has lost it by then and is, ends up going back to the Daily Bugle in some mysterious fashion. Looks to be not as a photographer, but we don't know. Um, so, yeah, look forward to that or don't. X-Men artist spends two years on caricatures of every X-Men. If you're watching the video, you if you're not watching the video, you should really check this out because this is pretty extensive work going on here. So uh, graphic designer Scott, and I apologize for butchering your last name, Modrinsky, uh, dedicated two years of his life to recreating every single uncanny X-Men comic book character into an X-shape uh, caricature. Let's see, do we have another picture? No, this is only one picture. Uh, if you go to Scott's site, Unnecessary ex- Excessive, you will find said character caricature. It, the drawing has twin, over 2,500 X-Men characters. That is insane. Uh, all in all, 545 issues of Uncanny X-Men, ranging from 63 all the way to 2011, were referenced in the drawing. Not all are mutants, which would make sense because that's a lot of characters, even for the X-Men. But even minor characters such as civilians and police get, get cute drawings from themselves. So that is a, a feat. And it looks good. Like, And I think he's selling this. So if you're an X-Men Men fan and... Um, well, he has a gallery that doesn't necessarily say it's for sale. But if you go over to his site and go check out his stuff, it looks like pretty good work from what I've seen in this picture. Um, Hasbro has created a new convention for the family. It is called Hands... Has con and it will, as this ticker says on the site, start in 49 days, 19 hours, 16 minutes, 54 seconds. Uh, you can get tickets now. There's discounted for um, adults and the use. And it sounds like it's just going to be all things Hasbro, which kind of take the Hasbro Bruce from San Diego Comic Con is going to get blown out. And um, um, yeah. And sound like they're partnered with Disney and Play-Doh and other brands. I have no idea what this, what's going, this kind of going to be about, but it's going to be at the Rhode Island Convention Center in Providence. So if you are up that way, um, September 8th through the 12th, 2017, you can check that out. Um, do they have guests? Um, so Stanley's going to be there, Peter, Peter Cullen and Frank Walker, of course, of Transformers fame. Uh, Dea, who's a singer-songwriter, I have no idea who that is, is going to be there. And they got a bunch of stuff going on. There's a Magic the Gathering event, um, Dungeons & Dragons play event, and some other stuff. So you can go to hascon.hasbro.com if you want to check out that. Um, Humble Bundle celebrates 100 years of Jack Kirby and Will Eisner. We were just talking about Kirby earlier. Um... So, yeah, there's the Humble Bundle, which is a good, uh, if you want to go check them out, humblebundle.com. Um, 
like video games, books, and other things, they you go to that site if you don't know much about it. Um, they usually have bundles that you can buy there, and even you can buy video games and, and books there. And a lot of the proceeds go towards charities. So you're buying stuff, but you're also contributed to a charity at, at the same time. And sometimes they'll have they'll throw some stuff in there for for free or whatever it may be. But yeah, it definitely looks like they got a lot of curvy stuff. Um, I don't know, is this past or this is still ongoing? Because this was from a few days ago. It may still be there. And I think the, um, the proceeds are going towards the Hero Initiative and the Common Book Legal Defense Fund. And um, yeah, actually, that's, that's it. But you can also choose where the money goes. But it sounds like for most of the stuff, it's already going to be allocated. So that's great. Um some gaming news. Marvel Games announces Marvel Powers United VR game at D23. So, uh, I did watch the little uh, video of this, and all they had was, well, not all they had, uh, was it appears that it's a VR game, obviously, but you get to control, from at least from what we saw, the Hulk, Rocket Raccoon, and Captain Marvel. Whether there's going to be more um, to that roster, we don't know. This rings to me of a similar game that was for the Connect uh, a few years ago that was based around the Avengers. Um, hopefully it's going to be better than that. But um, there's a trailer out there uh, about it. You can go check it out. It looks pretty good. It is unfortunately exclusively for the Oculus Rift and the Touch therein. Maybe at some point it will come to the HTC Vive and or maybe St. Gear VR. We don't know about that, but like I said, as of right now, is it, it is an exclusive, and it is going to come out sometime next year. Uh, let's see. DC announces Batman the Dark Prince Charming. Oh, wait. I've already talked about this. Mm, bummer. Okay, so let's get that, because so this was the wrong thing. So, um, there, actually, the, the link was supposed to be, here we go. My apologies for that. Um, Batman, the, the Enemy Within, coming this August. So what this is, is a pretty much season two of Batman, the Telltale series, which was the, the episodic video game that came out uh, earlier this year. Um, and it was great. There was five episodes um, as you play um, a Batman side story in the Telltale's fashion. If you've ever played to any of the games like The Walking Dead, uh, Wolf Amongst Us, which I think is also getting another season, and also The Walking Dead is also getting another season, which I think is already like two or three of said uh, ones. Um, but yes, it is another in the line of the Telltale series um, uh, games. Like I said, the first one was great. There's also a Marvel one with um, Guardians of the Galaxy that is out now. The second chapter of that one came out last month. The next one, the third one is coming up. And they're usually episodic. They're usually like five episodes running probably about a good hour, hour and a half a piece. And you get to do some action, go through the story. And, you know, it's cool. You should check those out if you are a video gamer. But yeah, this is coming out for pretty much everything. Um, next up, the female Ghostbusters will answer the call in new IDW comics. So now, the, so the... Um, the female Ghostbusters from last year's Ghostbusters movie um, are getting their own limited series from IDW. It's worth notice that they are already in a uh, miniseries right now from IDW called Ghostbusters 101, where they are being teamed with um, that version's, well, 
the book versions of the Ghostbusters, the OG Ghostbusters. Um, their whole world came together, and now they're trying to figure it out. It's a pretty decent book. And apparently, they, they, uh, they were that book's popular enough to where they spin out into their own, which I don't think IDW is pretty shy about putting out Ghostbusters books because, like, this is not the first time that they've um, done a crossover book with other a different version of Ghostbusters. So, um, this is nothing new, but this is happens to be, like I said, the newest crew to be. That one have a crossover and two get their own book, get their own miniseries, and that is actually coming out. So the Ghostbusters one one is still going, and I think that's about to end in a month or two. Uh, this new book, um, and the answer for the answer to call Ghostbusters as they are called, will kick off in October. So well after this uh, current book ends, and it is the creative team of Kelly Thompson. Um, current Halloween art and covers by Elsa Chartier and uh, Valentina Pinto. So look forward to that if you are a fan of those, if, if you're a fan of Ghostbusters and a fan of those particular Ghostbusters. Uh, first, look at Guillermo del Toro's Troll Hunters comic, uh, excuse me, graphic novel from Dark Horse. So, uh, Troll Hunters is, I believe, it's a, it's a Netflix book. I mean, it's a Netflix uh, series from the Guillermo del Toro um, that seems to um, have taken off with a bunch of people. I've not seen it, but people like it, and people are like, oh, you should watch it, you should watch it, and that is almost pushing me not to watch it. Nevertheless, um, first season's out there on Netflix, if you want to go check that out, and it sounds like it's been renewed and um, for a 13-episode second season this winter, and now there is going to be a graphic novel, which weirdly seems opposite the way some things happen nowadays because usually there's a graphic novel first and then it turns into a series. Now this is going the other way. Um, and that graphic novel is going to be in February of 2018, co-written by Mark Guggenheim and um, Richard Hamilton, co-author of How to Train Your Dragon graphic novel, and Mark Guggenheim, we all know from X-Men books, and also the showrunner uh, of the various shows of, of the Arrowverse. So, you know, there's that. Uh, Amy Chu, Girls' Night Out, Kickstarter Gold Edition. So Amy Chu, uh, writer of DC, DMC Comics and a bunch of DC comics such as Poison Ivy, Red Sonja, or excuse me, yeah, Wonder Woman, Red Sonja, blah, 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 blah uh, is basically putting back her earliest works into what looks to be a 100-page um, collectible. Uh, and these are, like I said, the, the works that have got her started as a writer, um, and it is with other people doing the art, and uh, it looks to be good stuff, and uh, it is, at the time of this program, 11 days to go with um, a $10,000 goal, and she's not quite there yet. So hopefully she makes that, because she's a pretty good writer, and uh, this seems to be some good stuff that she's putting out. So if you are a fan of Amy Chu, um, go check that out. Um, just look it up by Amy Chu or, you know, Amy Chu Girls Night Out. And it is apparently Kickstarter Gold Edition, which I don't know what that means outside of the standard gold, I mean, outside of the standard Kickstarter stuff. So there is that. Sega in Sonic the Hedgehog Publishing Partnership with, <coughs> excuse me, talking too much. Oh, man, I got a cold. <coughs> 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 uh, 
Pardon. Sorry. Take it in Sonic the Hedgehog. I need to wrap this up because, yeah, my voice is really going. Um, partnership with Archie Comics. So, yeah, Sonic Comics have been going on for a good while from Archie. So this is weird that this is happening. And this came from, sounds like this came from Sega, which obviously, you know, owns Sonic. So um, it's also strange that because there is a new Sonic game come out and you would think maybe they would want a book to go along with said um, comics. I mean, said video games. Maybe they got another deal in place. We don't know. But this seemed kind of sudden, sudden. And like I said, it says here, Archie Comics has had the license from 92 to this past week. That's until yesterday. So that's weird. And it looks like there is a Sonic Mega Drive Overdrive comic that was announced by Archie Comics last year, but it's been put on an indefinite hold. So we have no idea what's going on with that. But we do know there's a new video game coming soon. So who knows? Okay, and that was the... already talked about that. Uh, new Doctor Strange creative team introduces Loki as the Sorcerer Supreme. <gasps> what? 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 There's also an announcement from Marvel, uh, press release, that says Donny Cates joins the House of Ideas as the new writer of Doctor Strange. So, that's interesting. Donny Cates from, uh, excuse me, The Paybacks, um, also God Country, Redneck, Star Trek. He's written some Star Trek books. Um, Ghost Fleet, Buzzkill. He's done some things. And now he's uh, joining Marvel writing Doctor Strange, which now that I think about it, that was a Doctor Strange this week written by I can't remember who and I probably shouldn't take the time to look it up because this is going on long enough. Um, but yeah, congrats to that. And he's going to be taken up. I don't see where it says when he's taking it up. Um, actually, I am going to actually Oh, wait, down here. So we, we have pictures of uh, Loki as the Sorcerer Supreme on the cover, looking menacing and uh, some other art. So a new direction for Doctor Strange seems like vid. Um, let's see. Starting to close this out. So last year sometime, we talked about there was supposed to be two Iron Fist books coming out. There's the Iron Fist book that is being written by Ed Brissom that is out now, and another one uh, called Iron Fists, plural, that's supposed to be Danny and uh, the young new Iron Fist from the the Kari Andrews uh, series, Immortal Iron Fist, uh, as its partner, Pei. So this was a book that I was actually looking for, not the other Iron Fist book. Apparently, it just dropped this week on Comixology Unlimited. And it looks like to be a partnership between um, Marvel and Comixology Originals. Uh, it says here on Comixology... So if you're part of Comixology Unlimited, you can borrow this or you can buy it outright for $2.99. Like, this totally slipped under the radar. So I'm not sure what that says about the Faith to Heaven's book. Um, the art is being done by Afro Chan. Like, I enjoyed him, the Curry, Andrew, Curry Andrews' run of uh, Iron Fist. Um, especially with the introduce, introduction of Pei and what ends up happening with her, uh, who is a young monk that he ends up, you know, meeting in that book, and also ends up becoming becoming an Iron Fist. So, or possessor of the Iron Fist, I should say. Um, so I'm looking forward to checking it out. I may talk about it um, a little next week because I didn't have a chance to read it this week. But it is out, and it is a thing. If you want to go check that out, it is there. 
uh, Thedo series coming from Danny Cates and Jeff Shaw. Uh, this is news out of uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So at the Marvel Next Big Thing panel at uh, Comic-Con, uh, the publisher revealed the plans for a new Thanos ongoing to, from God Country. Donny Cates, we just talked about him, the stuff that he's done. Um, in case you're saying about, yeah, he's keeps coming up with ideas that are darkly brood, uh, brutal and one of the animals, animals a character. So he's just talking about what he's, what he's talking about going into Thanos. So that is coming. We don't know. We haven't been given a date because that just came out a few hours ago. So there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be some news like that in the next week. So look forward to that next week as um, we have more news coming out of San Diego, probably for the next couple of weeks, more than likely. And last but not least, uh, Plastic Man's Rebirth Return comes with a new costume and a new team. So uh, if you did not know, Plastic Man is back in, who came back in Dark Days, The Forge, which I think was like last week or a week or two before. So the Dark Days Metal um, event that's going on right now, Plastic Man is back. Which is weird uh, for people like me who know Plastic Man from the old uh, 1970s com- um, cartoon series where Baby Plas and Hula and um, I can't remember, the- Penny was all there. So if you remember that, that's a, that's a blast from the past. But this is not that version. So this is Eels O'Brien being Plastic Man, still the goofo- goofball. Um, it looks like a team of like I just got this picked this off um, as we were talking earlier, so I'm not really certain. So, but basically, the team that he's with is looks like Metaphor Morpho, Mister Terrific, uh, and a bunch of other teams. So it sounds like this could be the Outsiders book that that we were I think we were talking about earlier before the show started because this fits with all of that. Um, it doesn't. I don't think it specifically says it, but that sounds like that's what this is. So this may be that we will talk about it once we get confirmation next week, but this does definitely does sound like the outsider's book that's been rumored uh, to come out. And that is it for the news. And that is going to bring us to the end of the show. But first, um, we have one more ad to do, and I'm going to try to get through this really, really quickly because I am not feeling well. Thank you for anybody who has stuck with the show this long. This is looks like it's a little longer than a normal one, but then again, we also kind of start a little late as we tend to do sometimes. Uh, copy it to you, but he's already done. Audible. Oh, man. Um, let's see, I'm sorry. So I will do the Busted T script. Never mind, because I wanted... Nobody else was here. I, there was another one I wanted to do, and I can't find it just yet, so I'll have to save that one for another time. He, <laughs> And I kind of almost have the voice for it, but um, um, let me see something here. Crap. All right. But this episode of the Combo Chronicles show is sponsored by Busted Tees, your home for funny, awesome, cool T-shirts that are sure to get your friends' attention. Busted Tees puts many of their popular shirt designs on sale each week. Choose from several eye-catching T-shirts inspired by pop culture. Cleverly themed TV shirts uh, inspired by movies, video games, TV shows, comic books, geek culture, and much more are on sale. To keep our podcast free, order from Busted Tees by going to cspn.us. That's cspn.us by clicking on the Keep Our Podcast Free link. Click on the Busted Tees banner and then shop for awesome t shirts. Busted Tees through cspn.us. Do it today. I really, really wanted to do the Adam and Eve spot. 
You just don't know. And nobody would have been here to stop me. That's the beautiful thing about it. I've got control of the button. Maybe some other time, folks. So if you're looking forward to that. But that brings us to the end of this already long show. I would like to thank my co-hosts um, for being here. And those who are not here, uh, Agent 70, I hope your family is doing well and all goes well. Much love and energy goes out to you and, and yours. Um, you can find him at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. You can find PCN underscore dirt at PCN underscore dirt on Twitter. Um, you can also find him at uh, Graham Comic Reviews on Instagram. You can also find him at Pop Culture Net on Twitter. You can also find him at Pop Culture Network, where you can find all of his shows. Um, go check him out. He's got some good stuff over there. And last but definitely not least, um, well, actually, well, myself, whatever. Tim Dog 98 That's Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. You can also find him at CB Cron on Twitter and News Nerd. I'm um, excuse me, that's me. The Click Nation. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N on Twitter. And you can also find this show and everything else on theclicknation.com. Spelled that same way. Uh, let's see. You can find me. I, I've been... Well, I wasn't the host of the show, but I, hey, I'm wrapping this up, so whatever I am. Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can also find me at Roddy Cat. Um, um, and you can follow me on Instagram, but I don't really post that much there. But you can follow my uh, CB Caps Instagram, where I post uh, comic book panels, stuff that I love from each week. I'm trying to get the better route. I did some stuff there. There'll be some stuff going forward. You can also find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. There is a site, hopefully some, some somewhat coming forward. But I tweet out a whole bunch of dirty, nerdy links. Sometimes dirty, because if it's late night enough. But go check that out. A lot of news goes over there. Some of the San Diego stuff. Not just stuff, just geeky stuff, but um, comic books. Just all kind of... The new. The, the name says it all. Go check it out. And I also have a Reddit. At Reddit, our news nerds need if you want to go check it out. But you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and any other um, podcast places of note. Uh, so on sound, we're also on SoundCloud, Mustang, all the kind of good stuff. Go check us out there. But we are definitely on CSPN.us, our um, our home site, um, where of the CSPN, where uh, our show and a bunch of other great shows live and prosper. Go check those out and us there, um, if you so decline, so are so inclined. And by the way, help us out shop.cspn.us keep our podcast free just like I said earlier in the, in the ads, ads go there you know you might find something um, there from Redbubble That's how, that goes to our Redbubble site and there's, you can get some comic book chronicles merchandise if you want to nice nice neat mug shirt you know, iPhone case or something if you want that go check it out it is all there um, I had a shirt from that I was going to wear at um Heroes Con when I went so I could represent, but I did. I got it like the day up and I didn't have a chance to, to wash it. So I'm sure I will show that off at some point. But in the meantime, this concludes this episode of the Comic Con Chronicles. Um, we should we will be back next week definitely with uh, more news from San Diego Comic Con and whatever else news that happens to come out in the meantime of that. And with that, this is the Comic Con Chronicles, and we are out. I'm <laughs> <laughs>